in five, four, three, two, one. Homie Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. She got the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it out. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right, all right, all right. It is Monday. It is April 4th, and we're here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, rolling from 3 to 6, talking about everything going on in the world of Cardinal Athletics and beyond. Mike Rutherford in the pilot seat, Trevor Kelsey behind the glass. If you want to weigh in on today's discussion, if you want to be a part of the show, and that's what we want, we love it, it's your show as well. Text us on the Thornton's text line today, 502 414-1450. 414-1450. We love Thornton's. We love the text line. We love their uh, well-priced gas because you can use the Refreshing Rewards app. It's going to save you money at the pump every time you need to fuel up and you've never needed to save money at the pump more than you do right now. Before we get into all the madness of the past weekend, all the madness of today, all the madness that's coming tonight, got to say hello to my guy TK. Trevor Kelsey, how was the weekend, my friend? I talked to you a little bit, but uh, how? F- fill me in on the in-between. How things go this weekend? Good weekend. I'm back to about 99% health. I think I Feeling have what good. you had, by the oh, way. Oh, man. I think I it's talked going to, around. I talked to another friend last night. He goes, uh, I said, you're not feeling well. You sound like you're a little, getting a little underway. He goes, he goes, no, no. I think it's just my voice going out. I said, oh, no. That happened to me. That's, that's, that's exactly that's how it started. I said the same thing last Sunday going into Monday. And then by Monday night, it wasn't my voice. It was, I had a bug. And, oh, I hope I didn't give it to you. It wasn't bad. At least it wasn't. It wasn't coming out of you in different directions type no, of no, no, cold. I, it was just more, I have zero energy. I just let me sleep. And for someone like me who has like, I don't know, like a third of the energy of a normal person to begin with, <laughs> like that's just like not, you, as, you, as you saw last week, I, not going to lie, don't really remember much of Wednesday show. You struggled. Very, vaguely remember what I said on Thursday and Friday, even to a degree. Yeah, going on Friday. Yeah, Friday. Did I? Good. I'm glad. Spiked a highlighter at one point. <laughs> yeah, the highlighter was got a little dent in it. Thought you were gonna take your shirt off. <laughs> I'm surprised. If we had YouTube been here, I probably would have. Got to get those ratings up. Got to right. give the ladies what they want. You're right? Damn right. Uh, so, but now feeling. To let you know where I have how uh, where I feel on the good level. Saturday night, enjoyed some basketball. Split on my bets. But got me some Red Lobster. Attaboy. He's back. No, I'm back, He's baby. back to the Red Lobster. I'm back. RL Saturdays have returned the DK <laughs> yes. household. So how was the Rutherford weekend? Do we have a new cat? No. <laughs> cat update remains the same. Uh, still with the neighbors? He's killing it at, um, not, not the neighbors. Whoa. Our babysitter's daughter <laughs> has taken him in. Okay. And I thought your babysitter was, like, young. Well, we have two. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. The one who's the, the I guess babysitter is the right word. Angie, she's more of a nanny than she is like a babysitter. She's she's been with Virginia since she was like since Mary had to go back to work the first time. Okay, and now she takes care of both uh, both John and Virginia, and also my niece Audrey, which is where I think I actually got sick. Her class at school had a flu outbreak. She came over. She was coughing a bunch on Friday, and then I started feeling. I, it hasn't been that bad, but I've definitely it's not good for you. It's like the second one you've had this year. Well, it's these kids in school, man. I mean, this is how it starts now. Now right, everybody's right. always sick, and it's the Ohio Valley, and I've got asthma, and I'm just I've resigned to go back to the, how it was for me growing up, where I'm sick like every third week, at least a little bit. You just kind of live with it, but it's okay. But so, our Angie's daughter Sarah, she's got four daughters, and one of them has fostered cats before, and has taken it, and she took this cat in and fell in love with it immediately. Like this cat is very affectionate. It's not. <laughs> it's a weird sentence. It's not the type of cat that you expect to find in your basement ceiling. <laughs> well, <I'm> <laughs> but she is now giving it, giving can, it a can, name. Can you give me uh, an example of what's the type of cat you do find in one? I mean, basement I would expect ceiling. to be a feral cat that's going to like go <laughs> after you. That's yeah. why I didn't want to get up there and get it. And she, thank God, just like brought it out there and it was fine. But I was expecting it to, you know. Come claws out, hissing, yeah. biting, doing all that stuff. But so Angie's daughter Sarah has giving it, given it a name, which I'm refusing to acknowledge. It's Sydney Purry, now and forever in my eyes. I'm good with Sydney Purry. If you want to call it Scott Catterfield, if you want to call it, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Pauls, all, all the other suggestions, that's fine. But she has named it Mushroom. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So Mushroom the cat, mushroom. thriving, <laughs> thriving right now at her house. Um, that so that's all's well on that can I, front. Can I call him Shroomy for short? Of course. Okay. I would not stop you from doing that ever. I but, can't. I guess you could say that cat's a trip. Uh, okay. Well. Come on. All right. All right. <laughs> Wacky wordplay. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> it's a Monday. We've got a ton to talk about today. We had a kind of spring game yesterday to react to. Oh crap! I forgot about that. I, I trust me. I, I was already planning on you having no <laughs> knowledge of what took place. Forgot. I would have DVR'd it if I'd remembered. All right. I was expecting this. We'll walk you through it. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about you. what happened because there's not there's not really a whole lot to talk about. Oh, okay. There's not a lot to talk about, I think, in response to any spring game in this day and age. <laughs> but especially what we saw from Louisville yesterday it was just uh, – it, it was – I was going to say it's not what we expected, but we did. Like, like they told us exactly what was going to go on. This isn't going to be a traditional spring game. It's going to be more like a practice slash – situational drills type deal and that's what we saw yesterday we also have tons of news on the men's basketball roster front also i believe now unofficially officially we have our first coaching staff edition we'll get to that but we have to start with what happened on friday oh do we really we do we have to talk about it skip right to saturday because you and i i mean we ended the show and i said look national championships they change programs forever and when we come in here and do the show on monday Louisville women's basketball will have been changed forever. And unfortunately, that's not the case. The I don't want to say it's the stigma attached to the program because I think that's completely unfair, but the talk of Jeff Wall still having not won a national title uh, will continue for a little mm-hmm. bit. And it's I think it's unfair because when you look at the four Final Fours that Louisville's been to, which, again, he inherited a program that had never been to a Sweet 16 before when he got here. It's not like Louisville has been what South Carolina was this past weekend. The program that everybody thought was going to get it done, their decided favorites. Like South Carolina was damn near a double-digit favorite over us on, on Friday. Mm-hmm. We've never been in that spot where it's, they're the team, this is the year, this is the moment, like it was for the men's team in 2013. They were a five-point favorite in the title game with Duke. They, you mean UConn? UConn, I'm sorry, yes. So 
like this whole notion that well he just chokes every year. like we've been the underdog in all these games like it's it's different now the the Mississippi State loss is the one that I think is going to stick with everybody and that's partly yeah. because we had that game won it's also partly because if we had won we would have played a Notre Dame team that we had already beaten twice and beaten handily the first time in the national title game and that feels like the one that got away but besides that we've been decided underdogs in all these games but yeah. Friday night I want to get your thoughts on this because my guy Sam, a.k.a. Doctor of Dunk on Twitter, made this point. I think it was the perfect comparison. It felt like the 2005 men's Final Four game against Illinois, where you know going into it, you're about an eight-point underdog, somewhere around there. It's Nobody thinks you're going to win. Like Nobody yeah. was picking that Louisville team to win in 05. Nobody was picking this Louisville team to win on Friday night. Mm-hmm. And as easy as it is to chalk, a loss that was, I think the final score was 15 points in both games or, or thereabouts. Yeah, somewhere in there. I think 13 or something, yeah, give or take. The final scores were, whatever they ended up being, were almost identical. It was like 71-59 and then like 72-59, or so, so 13 or 12, something like that. As easy as it is to chalk that loss up to, well, they're better than we are, it's their year, all that good stuff, you still go back and watch that game and you realize we just didn't play that well. Like, I'm not saying that Louisville wins if it plays its A-minus game or even its A game against South Carolina because, hey, they showed last night just how good they are and how much better that they were than the rest of the country this season. But they would have had a much better shot. And some of what went wrong for us on Friday, South Carolina had a lot to do with. I think they did a terrific job on Haley Van Lith. Mm-hmm. Some of it was self-inflicted, though. We missed a ton of shots at the rim. We made careless turnovers that we had not been making really at any other point this season. And we just... They had the moment. Against Illinois in 05, it was that Roger Powell missed shot, put back dunk. And against against uh, South Carolina on Friday night, it was that we get it down to six. We feel like we've got the momentum going into the fourth quarter. They miss a free throw. We can't come down with the rebound. And Aaliyah Boston not only comes down with it, she scores and she gets fouled. And from that point forward, it was over. Like We, we never really made a, a serious run at them again. But the parallels between those two games felt strong just where they were kind of in control the entire time. We made a nice run to keep it close. Uh, We actually made a run in both games to even it up. I think we actually took the lead in the second quarter on Friday night. But at the end of the day, one, they were a better team than we were. Two, we didn't play well enough to be competitive in the the fourth quarter and have a shot to win. And that's, I I think, where where can I stand on Friday night's performance? I mean, we didn't play well in the first quarter either. We kind of... didn't help. Obviously. We looked a little scared. Yeah, we 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 did come out. We came out intimidated a little bit. Then again, you know, if you watched the game on Sunday night, so did UConn. To it, I mean, we somewhat did better than they did in this in the start of a game against that South Carolina defense. I think we scored at least more than eight in the first quarter than for a while. Than they we weren't, but then we <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, yeah we keep close. Uh, yeah, I, I I kind of agree. I don't. Rem- I have trouble. I don't know if I can. D- Say it's not like the 05 game because, unfortunately, I don't know if I've, you know, I've told you this before probably, but... I forgot that was part of the... That, I, that was you the, were lost in the triangle. Yeah, that was... A, that was a, whew, that was also the last night I drank Jaeger, by the way. Uh, so, that was uh, that was a rough night and one I've never gone back and rewatched because of the loss. But going into the game, I agree. Yeah, I mean, Louisville, obviously a good team. Clearly not one that anyone outside of probably the city limits were fans of, of Louisville thought really had a chance going against Illinois or against South Carolina. And so I kind of just, yeah, I mean, it's cliche to say, but they were a better team. I thought, you know, they obviously, Van Lift struggled with their size. Nothing you haven't heard before on the analysis that isn't 100% true. Uh, the, 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 that three-point play that also, I want to say, was Emily's fourth foul or 
Right before the half? I think it was. Which, not, not a good call. But then again, we, 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 we're we not going down the rabbit hole women's referee and, uh, right now. Hey, it's uh, not great. It's not good. That's it the summary. Was not a great call. I mean, was it, uh, was it a bad call? No, but it wasn't a great call. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can I say real quick, like one of my favorite things to do is listen to what I say sometimes. Well, that also sometimes, but watching people who don't typically watch women's college basketball react to the officiating mm. is kind of like watching somebody go to the Kentucky Derby infield for the first time. <laughs> State fair, maybe people like, watching. You're just waiting to see the reactions because you know, it's going to be this mix of shock and, and horror and, that's what I, I saw it from several of like my friends. Is that what are, they do on YouTube videos now? Make people pretty much. Videos, people watching shocking events. Yeah, see this for the first time. Yeah. So you know, I've got friends who don't follow the women's college basketball all that closely, and you know, they're texting me like people I haven't heard from in in, in months who are just like, "This is the can you believe this whistle?" And I'm like, App, "Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I've watched enough to know like this is exactly what you're gonna get." And it feels this like, isn't even as bad as it gets, folks. It was no, it was crazy. Sometimes it feels just like officiating women's game and this is not me I don't want Kentucky fans that are going oh he's making excuses because Walls no I mean don't apologize to Kentucky the Mississippi State game yes a couple years ago yeah that will be but not in this case it feels like women's referees officiating always just tries to overcorrect there's always way to one end and way to the other you'll see them let them play clearly it's something physical they should be calling a foul and then two minutes later or one quarter later which by the way I don't know if it's because of the way they officiate and let things slide for long gaps or the quarters being split up, women's game feels like it goes so much faster than men's. It does. It should. And, the and men's game should, be, should go to quarters. It's better. You might be getting me leaning on this one a little bit more now. After I, watching. I didn't like it at first. I'm not, I've started to I've change. Been, I've been anti. I'm still, I'm still sticking with the traditional, but I'm starting to lean a little more. It just feels like that. that's what you get, though. You'll, you'll see a stretch where they will let just things go amok. There's no consistency. And then and two minutes later, it's everything's called. Let's, let's catch. And I hate that. That's not how you need to be. If you're going to let them play and be physical, that's fine. I have no problem with it. You know, obviously, if we lose, the, if my favorite team loses or the team I'm rooting for or gambling on loses because of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bitch a little bit later on. But I'll be, I'll be okay. Just, that's the one problem I have with with women's, and I'm sure you can say that with a lot of officiating at every level, men's pro and, sure. and, and amateur as well in college. But women's just feels like it's so much more. And I don't want that to take away from the fact that South Carolina was the better team. South Carolina beat Louisville. They yeah, officials did not cost Louisville this game. Louisville was basically shut down from pretty much start to finish. They made they showed effort, got back in it. Glad to see that. Would have you liked didn't do what you have to do, by the way, before you bring up officiating, and you know this. It's Mike Rutherford show one on one. What's that? A lot of calls bad both ways. <laughs> bad both ways. A lot of bad calls both ways. Were the calls bad? No. Were they great? No. I mean, that's that's the way it is. See, so. I, I agree with you on the the lack of consistency drives me crazy with women's basketball officiating, and you do see that on the men's game time to time. The thing about the women's game officiating, though, is you have the lack of consistency, and then you also have times where you're like, do these people know the basic rules of oh, basketball? You've... Because, you know, like a, a, a woman will go down the lane – like jump up for a layup and just come down with the ball and take like five steps <laughs> and then like throw it over the backboard and, and they won't blow the whistle and you're like I mean she can't do that like I I, I my two year old daughter is, is watching this and she's being like I'm pretty sure that's a walk like this is not allowed I spent years with little league and in St Matthews unlike other little leagues we and and, and when you played there we used high school referees in our little league 
games, which most little leagues use just, you know, Joe Blow at the concession stand, here's 10 bucks, run up and down, act like you're a ref. We actually use Kentucky High School referees just as good as sometimes as some of the women's referees I see. Sure. Which should not be the case. And that's not a, like an insult against Kentucky High School referees. You should not be at the same level as a collegiate Division One women's basketball in the Final Four, nonetheless. And people talk about what's the solution here, and the solution, according to everybody who covers basketball and or is associated with with college basketball, says the same thing: got to pay them more. Like if you want better officials, <laughs> start paying. Like we're paying. Like you said, it, it, you find people who are willing to to fly across the country and do train all stuff them more. I don't for know. Like I mean, fifty bucks a game. Yeah. It's like you know you're gonna have to. There's a lot of money to go around. We've seen how much money the men's tournament generates. I mean, we know how much money the NCAA makes on an annual basis. The problem up is that salary a little bit. Up those game-by-game <laughs> game payments just a little bit, and you'll probably get a higher quality of officiating. I mean, but on the other side, I mean, if you do that, then you're, I mean, I don't know. The men also is the other problem is they say they're overworked. I mean, they're doing four or five games in a week, which you probably shouldn't be doing five games in a week. It's outrageous. If you're fishing. I mean, officials should be capped at like three games in seven days. At the most, I'm with you, and some you know. There, I think there are there are entire Twitter accounts do, and websites that are devoted to you know. Bo Borowski traveled 1,586 miles in four days to do four games. Like he worked a three overtime game in the ACC last night, and now he's working a Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference game at 11 a.m. the day after. And it's you can understand I mean, why the officiating sucks. I'm not saying officials are are, are are. I mean, you're officiating a game. Yeah, I mean, you're not. It's not physically as tolling as obviously the player. But it's still pretty demanding. I mean, you're, that's a lot of work going up and down that court, even a three-man crew, and then the travel wear. It's a lot of wear and tear, and by the time you get down to it, hey, mentally you're physic- mentally exhausted, and you're going to miss calls. Just like if you're playing four games in four days, by that fourth day, you're going to be missing some shots that you weren't missing in day one. I'm with you, but, yeah, but let's, let's, let's move the focus don't back. don't know how I got in a tirade about officiating. Well, it happens. <laughs> the focus back where it should be, though, which is another, and I know it's disappointing, to get to this point every year, it, what it feels like every year, which is a testament to Jeff Walls and what this program has been able to accomplish. But if you're a UK fan, you're listening to this, and we know we have we have plenty. You're rolling your eyes and say, "Well, great, congrats! You never won the big one. Still, well, all know, this stuff. You know that same is, thing they say with baseball. That's hanging on to a straw because you know you have nothing left to insult the programs on. Well, they're doing the, the same that's thing. The, that we, that's the Michael Epson Friday. Oh, I know you ain't gonna get it. I know you ain't gonna get her. I hope you don't get her. That that's what that is. That's what you. That's what you're at at this level. If you're a UK fan, it's all you got left is to hold on to. I guess every program would do this, or at least a segment of the fan base of every program would do this. But the amount of times that I've seen somebody associated who has got BBN in their social media profile, who's brought up the fact that well, you know, we beat the women's national champion and we beat the two teams playing for the men's national championship by a combined seven thousand one hundred thirty-two points. I have not seen that yet. Of course, I'm oh my god, it's everywhere. Well, you you get more of the Twitter that I don't, which it's amazing why I'm still as grumpier old man than you are. But like, what's the response supposed to be to that? <laughs> Congratulations! It changes nothing. You give them the Barry Horowitz uh, self uh, pat on the back. I understand how frustrating it is as a fan of a program that I mean, in 2011 when UConn won the national title by beating Kentucky. Don't get me wrong. I was very appreciative of what Kevin <laughs> Ollie did for me individually. So but at the same time, it. it was frustrating to see a team that we had beaten three times by a combined, I don't even know, like 78 points or something like that. We beat them by 33 in the regular season finale. I know that because UConn became the only champion in the history of men's college basketball 
to lose a game by 30 points or more and go on to win the national title. And that was frustrating because you look at that team and you say, we were better than they were. We didn't even make it out of the first round. They won the whole damn thing. Like, this is a joke. I mean, it, this was – I take it back. I'm thinking of the 2014 team, which we lost in the Sweet 16 to Kentucky, and, and that 2014 team was yeah. the one that we had beaten three times. But – well, you can say send the love because we beat that team too, didn't we? We did. They well, beat us they once. beat us in the we biggest split. title game. Yeah, yeah. We we. Miss it was that frustrating, and like you, you, you kind of feel like there's nowhere to go with this. But at the same time, it changes nothing. And UK fans keep throwing out these facts out there, and I'm like, okay, cool. At the end of the day, you're still the first program in 20 years to have your men's and women's team lose to a double digit seed in the first round of both tournaments. That's. I mean, just tell them, tell them the troops, and that's congratulations. Yet you still couldn't outscore St. Peter's. I, I'm watching. I'm watching the Duke Carolina game Saturday night, which we'll get to, and it was it, it was tremendous, fantastic game. game. And you're watching these teams and the shot making going on, and I'm like, I'm texting my buddies. I'm like, how the hell did we almost beat this de- <laughs> these two teams combined three times? Because we had Carolina beat at home, we almost beat them uh, at their place too, and then we had Duke it was tied with just over a minute left. Like, how are we even like the worst Louisville team of my lifetime? without a full-time head coach, almost beat both of those teams that combined three times. And I, I get injecting yourself into everything, but at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that we only won 13 games and had maybe the worst season of my entire life. Like, it's, it's, it is what it is. I don't know but the maybe. Probably was the worst season. At this, this point. point. Yeah, yeah, probably was, no. But the women's team, definitely not the worst season of all time. No, no. And you Fun look season. at, I thought Dave Skoll, uh, a.k.a. Biggest Biscuit, who, who you know hosts radio shows around town now these days and um, I think was over at the Crunch Zone writing stuff back in the day, he pointed out, he's like, if a men's coach came in here and went to 11 Sweet 16s, 7 Elite 8s, 4 Final 4s, all in the span of 15 years, like people, there wouldn't be a whole lot of talk around here about not being able to win the big one if the men's program had that lack of history or was in the spot that the women's program was in when Jeff Walls arrived here. It's, I think people just want to have the contrarian take when they see everybody falling over themselves about what Dan McDonald has done and about what Jeff Walls has done. There's only one thing now with either of those programs that you can say to, to kind of push back a little bit. And that's, well, the only thing that matters is winning a title. Only... I don't know how many times I feel like I've said this on the radio over the years, and it's the stupidest thing ever, but I feel like people need to hear it. Only one team wins a championship every <laughs> single year. There's huh? 358 of them in basketball. There's like 200 of them are in baseball or something ridiculous, too. What about the NIT title? It's very, very, <laughs> very hard to win a title. And you know you have the same few teams that are always competing for it, and it's, it's tough, especially to get that first one. And tougher in, women, in the women's sport too. I mean, especially in the women's sport, yeah. where you've got. I mean, and the other response that I kept seeing on Friday night was like, "We got to get ourselves an Aaliyah Boston." I'm like, pass that information on to Jeff Walls. Like, let <laughs> let him know the next six foot five. That's what we can't needed. miss. National oh, Player of the Year okay. needs to come here. And, and I guess the how'd we miss that? <laughs> I think the take is more rooted in the fact that it seems like, and we talked about this going into the you know last weekend and this weekend. Waltz doesn't typically go after that type of player. Like yeah. the, don't get me wrong. Like if an Aaliyah Boston wanted to come to Louisville, I think Jeff Waltz would welcome, would welcome her here with open arms. But he's not getting the six foot five, six foot six centers that you have to develop into fantastic players over two, three, four years. He wants more of the. We're going to play small. We're going to play fast. I mean, Olivia Cochran is, is not small by any stretch. I mean, she's 6'4". She stacked. She played well against Aaliyah Boston on Friday. She did all that she could. No, Louisville's, Louisville's uh, team has 
I think two girls that are like six five each. I mean, so they've got some. They're just not that like that good. Yeah, they're and, just, just like your typical like seven footer on the men's bench that you just bring in for maybe fouls or something. I, there's only it's like when Patino was here, and again, the irony of our ironies is Louisville fans were their only complaint was really the <laughs> that he wasn't recruiting well enough. Mm. And there would be all this talk about, well, you've got to go out and get, you know, a Zion type player, an Anthony Davis type player. I'm like, well, you know, first of all, not even every class has one of those. And nope. at most, like every single recruiting class has two or three or four of those guys. And if you haven't been swimming in those waters for a long time, it's really hard to get there for the first time, quote unquote, legally <laughs> or by the rules. And sometimes those guys are in the 30s and 40s that, that we don't know they are there yet. Yeah. And I, the same, like the... The six five, six six future dominant centers in women's college basketball, they're basically going to the same three programs. And it's UConn, it's become South Carolina in recent years, it's been Baylor in the past. And it's because those programs play that type of style and they've been around for a long time. We've been around for a long time now, but we don't play that type of style. And how do you just change what's been working for a long time because you look at I mean we're going to be good for a while like we've got Haley coming back we've got Olivia Cochran coming back we basically only lose um we lose Emily Angsler we we lose Mikasa which sucks defensively and we're going to lose uh, Chelsea Hall who was a great transfer as well but we're bringing back a lot and we're going to as we've been doing in recent years kill it in the transfer portal bring in an Angsler bring in a Hall type player again for next year like this program's not going away and when you keep chipping away and when you see the parity in, in women's college basketball continuing to come closer and closer to this being a quote-unquote level playing field, like it's going to happen. It's just you got to keep getting to that point and keep taking those swings. And at some point, the fan base has to realize, like, I know we all want to be celebrating a national title, but it's really hard to do. I think it's I – think, I do remember kind of saying this on Friday where I think I remember uh, – women's game is still kind of like 80s men's where the, the big the, – you still have the low post kind of presence. It's still the more dominant like factor in winning a title. You, you kind of still have to have it where in the men's game now it's evolved to where, obviously, I'm not saying you don't have to have big men. You'll see, you'll see that you know with Baycott and Kansas tonight uh, going against each other. But it, it's more of a guard game. The, mm-hmm. men, the men's game, especially in the NBA, which is a whole other world, and it's the right. But the men's game has evolved. I feel like Jeff Wallace has already kind of, Jumped forward with this, with the way he's built this, and you mentioned it. And the, this, his our teams where you have the size, but it's more guard oriented, fast paced, up tempo. And I don't know if the women's game the, as a whole has just kind of caught up to where Jeff Wallace already is ahead of the ahead of the curb. And eventually, I think it will. And I mean, you've seen it obviously work with Louisville over the years. I mean, I guess the closest thing to a a center, since I can't say a, a big guy, big girl in this in, for the, the the center position for this sport. Is you know, and and we, you debated whether she was a sinner or not, and I agree she wasn't, but still was on the taller side was Angel McCautry, mm-hmm. and that's you know been seventeen years ago almost now, ten years ago, thirteen years ago, whatever, and yeah, it's I, I think you know what, in in honor of to to segue maybe into talking about Coach K and Duke, people said the same thing about Coach K can't win the big one, went to how many Final Fours where he finally got that big one, it'll come, don't worry, Jeff Walls. Just on a, on a path to a Coach K like career. Well, we we've talked about this. I mean, I've written this same story. I feel like every other year. But we talked about it when it came to Gonzaga about how we love narratives in college basketball. Yeah. And college basketball as a sport is so on both the men's and the women's side is so heavily tied to what happens in the NCAA tournament that we create these razor thin narratives that we act are that, that we act like our end all be alls. If you've never won, like Gonzaga's never won the national championship before. It means they're never going to win the national championship. Before. Can't win it. 
you know, that pack line defense that Tony Bennett plays, great for ACC regular season titles, can't win in March with it. Never going to happen. Jay Wright, great at winning the Big East, but that conference just doesn't get him ready enough for the NCAA tournament. He runs into a team with more athleticism in the second round. They're never going to have success in March. Coach K, never going to win the Big There was a time where Rick Pitino could mm-hmm. never win the Big One. Oh, Jim Calhoun can't get past the Elite Eight. And oh, Granny lost to Duke, I think, in four straight of them, but... Nonetheless, you can't get past the Big Eight. And we speak in these absolutes until they finally happen. And then the moment they happen, it doesn't just change a little bit. It's a full 180. It's the exact opposite. I mean, right now, with Coach K leaving, I don't know if you heard about this, Saturday was his last game. No, really? I mean, Jay Wright's the god of college basketball. Like, people, like, Jay Wright can do no wrong. He is the guy that you would point to as the, if you could get him, You'd want to go get him. Like Kentucky wants Jay Wright when when Calipari hangs it up. We talked about Jay Wright when the the vacancy opened up. He is like, like and five years ago, he was a dude who couldn't win in the tournament. It just it changes so completely. <laughs> that second round loss, yeah. It changes so so entirely, and that's I, I think if you're a Louisville women's basketball diehard, that's what you have to hope. You have to hope that whenever that first title comes, the narrative just gets flipped on its head. Jeff Walls finally starts getting the national respect that. Gino's been getting for a long time, and obviously, don't get me wrong, not, people aren't going to start comparing Jeff to Gino in that career accomplishment regard. Oh, I wanted to give him that first title loss, too, on top I of did it. Too. I but they, But, you know, they could start talking about Jeff in the same way that they talk about Don Staley right now, as far as the new gigantic kid on the block, the, the face of, of college basketball post-Gino and all that stuff. But it's got to happen first. You, you got to get that first one for that narrative to flip and for things to start to really change from a perspective perspective standpoint. I mean, look, two examples, kind of a, the reverse of the way it was is, is done is look at Tubby winning the title. And then, I mean, no one ever kind of really said, we can't win the big one. After that, he had the title. I mean, did he win a really a big one after that? I thought he had some really – there was an athletic story today about – And another one is Tom Izzo. Yeah. I mean – There was a story in the athletic today about Tubby because they asked him you know, the parallels between himself and Hubert Davis and – the, you know, the good and the bad. And Tubby said, in no uncertain terms, like, d- don't get me wrong, it was great to get, like, that out of the way right off the bat. <laughs> but I felt like it also set an unfair precedent for the rest of my career. And also you have the people who are stepping up and saying, oh, that, that's Patino's championship. Those are his mm-hmm, players. Yeah. He laid the foundation. All you well, had to I do was really be there. Still say to troll UK fans. Yeah. And, and it's a little bit different, I think, with, with Hubert Davis because Carolina – wasn't great last year and had not really been. I know they've played in three of the last six national title games, which seems absurd. <laughs> yeah, they suck. But I mean, you know, they had the worst season in program history. Like in the COVID year, that got canceled. They had, were terrible. And then last year, they were an eight seed that got lost in the first round for the first time ever in Roy Williams' coaching career. He never lost a first round game before that. And so it's not exactly like Kentucky playing in back to back national title games before Tubby leads them to the title in '98. But you see the parallels. Yeah. They're there. And, and and Tubby said it was, in one way, it was the best thing in the world for me. In the other, it was the worst because then you get to a certain, like, it, you get five years down the line and the notion that it was all about my predecessor becomes even more talked about. You know, why haven't you done this again? Why haven't you repeated this? It's got to be you. It's got to be something wrong with you. It can't be that the program is just, you know, going, hitting a little bit of a lull. Hey, one team wins the national title in every sport every single year. Like that's, I, I get it. It's tough, and and I don't get me wrong. I don't think Hubert Davis or any North Carolina fan is is hoping that they don't win tonight and get that first national title for him. But it certainly creates some unwanted narratives moving forward. <laughs> if you after, don't maintain that success. Your after Tubby's was Jim Calhoun's first one, wasn't it? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. 
Me too. Yeah. Fantastic game. Yeah. Uh, you know how State and Elite Eight wouldn't have done it if uh, Skinny Pinhead hadn't broke his wrist. I also I looked this up. I'll throw this fact out there because you mentioned you know, the game kind of changing. I think it's a, it's a good point on the women's side. Between 2007 and 2016, every single women's college basketball national player of the year was a forward or a center. Yeah, it's it's it, the they, last they've three got of the last four, four years. The women's national player has been a guard. The one exception currently, Aaliyah Boston for South Carolina. Yeah. It's changing a little bit. It's evolving slightly. But you're still seeing the dominance of a player like an Aaliyah Boston yeah. at this level. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, there's. I mean, come on. We, we, they, I don't know how much they brought it up, but UConn hasn't won a title since they had who? Bria Stewart, the, the last probably dominant center they had. Fair point. I mean, it's. Three time player of the year. Yeah. It, it'll, I mean, they, they came into their own with Rebecca Lobo, like one of the more famous centers in women's history. I mean, it's. It, it's like I said, it feels, it's got kind of that 80s feel to the men's game. Well, except with the three-point line, I guess. Uh, but it, it, I think it's, you will see it evolve as it goes along. But it's just slowly but surely. And right. Walls is ahead of the curve, baby. Head of the curve. we we got to take a break here when we come back. Uh, some notes on the men's basketball side for the Louisville team. We have reports, at least, that they, the first full-time assistant head coach has been hired by Kenny Payne. We'll talk about that. And what also a couple of pieces of roster news that we'll get to uh, that broke earlier today. All that coming up next here on the Mike Rutherford Show, Monday edition on 1450 and 96.1 They say for every boy and girl there's just one love in this whole world And ah, I know, ah, I found mine The heavenly touch of your embrace tells me no one could take your place Ever in my heart Young lovers interested in the theme now uh side note no theme it is a trevor faves you're connie smith on a trevor faves tk Faves day but here's the here's the kicker there is this was the only kind of non-tk faves i went with today okay uh this is a tab hunter okay young love i know the song the song has been done numerous times bg's did it uh not not, not, not the bg's (laughs) the four tops did it uh so did um I want to say, so, um, oh, it's, it, it's been done multiple times, but okay. uh, this was the second version of it. Okay, who's this? This is Tab Hunter. Tab, of course. The second version, and this is the song that was number one on this day, March 23rd, 1957, when Kansas and North Carolina played the last oh, time in the national title game. Oh, I love it. Do a triple overtime. Interesting note about this song, as you've mentioned, it's been redone multiple times. The original version came out on February 9th of the same year from Sonny James and was number one redone within a month of its original release by tab hunter and number one on March 23rd, just a little over a month later. I can't think of another song that was done twice in the same year and number one in the same year. Wow. That's, I mean, maybe, but it's an interesting that's a good fact. I, like I came, I, yeah, came across that as I was doing this. So 
yeah, the uh, the last time these two teams met, 1957, triple overtime. So we may have a little little something ahead of us tonight. Will Chamberlain in that game? Billy Cunningham? Frank McGuire was North Carolina's coach. We're going to talk about it a little bit later because I, I think this, this title game is fascinating uh, for a number of different reasons. Maybe the most interesting is that it's the first title game featuring head coaches who both replaced the same exact head coach at their respective programs. You know, Bill Self stepped in for Roy yeah. at Kansas. Hubert Davis replaced Roy at North Carolina. Has never happened before. That is weird, yeah. And then the the, the weird other weird parallel. There, there are a ton of weird parallels between Carolina and Kansas. Um, I, I've got interesting stuff that I want to get to in the second hour about the game. But before we do that, we got to keep it keep it focused on Louisville because we've had plenty of news. We talked about the women's basketball team in the first segment going down on Friday to South Carolina, the eventual national champions. But on the men's basketball side, it was also an eventful weekend, really an, an eventful Monday as well. We found out two roster things today. Uh, Mike James coming back. Noah Locke. Noah Locke not coming back. And I don't know the sound for shock. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, I mean, the way that we've talked about the roster playing out is sort of what has transpired, at least to this point. The guys yeah. that we expected mm-hmm. to leave for the most part have left. Um, the guys that we thought would be welcome back and, and that wanted to come back have have come back, and the ones that we weren't sure about, we're still not really sure about. I so. guess Davis is kind of still the one up in the air a little bit. I feel like you have to say that he's leaning towards leaving, just based off his brother's decommitment. But that, but it was it was a lean towards I think come back until the brother decommit. Yeah, I did. The, I think that's I never the, had a good read on him. Yeah, that's true. But I think we kind of both kind of thought he was more likely to come back. Thinking we didn't, I think neither of us expected the brother to decommit either. So. No, and you had Mike James saying after the season that he was hoping he'd be. He'd come back, which kind of you could read the tea leaves there. And Sidney Curry's been very vocal about his support of Louisville. Signed that Jeep Cross deal, by the way. Mm-hmm. Rocking that Jeep deal. Oh, got the Jeep bag. Loving it. Oh, yeah. But the bigger piece of news, maybe the biggest piece of news that we're going to, to hear for a little bit of time. And once again, not a shock. Been saying it on the show for several weeks now, since I think before Kenny Payne was even officially hired, that if Kenny Payne was hired, he was going to bring in Nolan Smith as one of his assistant coaches. And now we have the official word from a, a number of national writers saying, Nolan Smith taking the associate head coaching job at Louisville and has informed Duke today that he plans on leaving. Um, so, so not a surprise here. Maybe the only thing surprising is that he has been named the associate head coach. Probably had to give him that tag to make him do the peril move from Duke to Louisville. It also sounds like we paid a fairly large sum of money to get him here. No specifics have been announced, but Jeff Goodman said, you know, Louisville kind of kind of broke the bank to make this happen, which... I thought Louisville had no money, right? Well, what uh, happened to that? Hey, well, we saved some money on Kenny Payne. Apparently so. Paid him... A- 3.25 is less than we're going to have to pay any other head coach. Holy so. people, there was always money in the banana stand. Always no money one. in the banana stand. No one was listening to us. And now we've got Nolan Smith here. And I'm excited about it. He's obviously a direct tie to U of L. Mm-hmm. His father starring here from 1978 to 1982, helping the, the 80 team win the national title. His dad, dad and uh, Payne playing together in Philadelphia. He, yeah, his dad also. I hadn't ever heard this anecdote before this week. I saw it getting tossed around. His dad you know, was a... I think had coached two seasons with the Washington uh, Bullets as a as an assistant coach before his untimely passing in 1996. But he had apparently told people that his ultimate goal was to come back and be a coach at Louisville. I didn't know that. And so to see Derek be able to Derek, who's been you know was so young when his father passed, unfortunately, um, and has been you know 
he looks just like his dad. You know, my, I remember oh. my dad saying that when he saw Nolan for the first time, and everybody, I mean, you can see pictures. Like, they, they're identical. Also looks a lot like Chris Redd from Saturday Night Live. They, I, they look a lot alike. But, <laughs> you know, you've talked about, he's talked about what he committed to Duke. He's funny. Over Louisville. He wanted to carve his own path. You know, didn't want to be reminded of his mm. father every time he took a step at Louisville. But I think when you get older, and now he's sort of getting closer and closer to that age that his father was when, when you know, he started a family and then uh, when he eventually passed, I think you start kind of wanting to live out some of the dreams of your dad, especially when he didn't have an opportunity to see them, them, them through. So to be able to bring Nolan here and to, you know, make good on something that his dad wanted to happen when, he, when his playing days were over, I think is a really special thing. It also helps that he's widely regarded to be one of the rising stars in college basketball coaching. He's, uh, you know, in on some of the top recruits in the country. the The kid whose name I can't pronounce, who's the number three player in the twenty twenty three class, Smith has been his number one recruiter at Duke. Helping him out, world. Yeah, I, I assume that we're probably <laughs> going to be a major player for that kid now, and for other kids in the twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three classes that he's, you know helped lock up for Duke over the, the last couple of years. So I'm excited about this. I'm glad we've got him on board. I think the good vibes are continuing. All good. Yeah. I I, I mean, it's not like it was a surprise. It was what was expected, but you know what? That doesn't mean it's a bad thing, and I'm excited for it, and I'm, I'm not surprised we had to pay a little extra and give him a little you know, a, a little bonus on the on the title there as well to, to move him from one to the other. And I think it hopefully will be all worth it in the end. And, and, you know, you can't argue that he hasn't carved his own path. I mean, he, sure. I mean, you can. I mean, Roy Williams can say the same thing. He did. His, you know, you can. He went to Kansas, did his thing, then before coming back to his modern North Carolina, doing his thing. Uh, you know, Hubert Davis. You know, went around and did TV and came back consistent. I mean, it's no problem with that. I'm glad to have him back. You know what it is? I Trevor? think I told you a story. You know, it, you know what it is? What? Louisville's first win over John Shire. <laughs> we owned Coach K. Yeah. We owned Coach K. Don't don't. You know. Only program to face Coach K at least 10 times and have a winning record against him. Fact. Don't worry that we were only one game over 500. That's owning. Fact. Owned him. And now with Coach K kicking his ass out the door, we're owning his protege. 1-0. Boom. Fact. Suck it. I actually uh, met his father like two weeks before he passed. Coach K's? No. uh, (laughs) Derek Smith. How old are you? Sometimes Uh, I forget. He was... I don't know why. He, He was coaching my cousin's soccer team. Okay. And locally, and I just, I, my uncle was like, you know who's Olivia's soccer coach? And I was like, like Derek Smith. I'm like, really? Like, so I went, I, I here comes the good cousins, you know, 15, I think I was going on maybe halfway between 15 and 16 year olds showing up to the, my little cousin's uh, soccer game because I'm just a good family member, but I just really wanted to meet Derek Smith. And he came, asked him for an autograph, and he goes, "Yeah, hold on." And we walked his car, opens his trunk, and he's got all these eight by tens of him with like when he's with the, <laughs> when he's with the Kings, and it just cracked me up. And he gives me, he pulls out this eight by ten of him with the Kings, signs it, gives it to me. I still have it to this day. I love it. Framed it. My it's actually hanging on the with the uh, rest of my memorabilia and one in my man cave. Now the the Unfortunately, question. Unfortunately, then he passed a couple weeks later. Yeah, the, the question <laughs> now becomes because Nolan Smith had been he was the one that we felt like we knew. When even before Kenny Payne got hired, it was if Kenny Payne comes, mm-hmm. Nolan's going to be on staff. Milt is probably going to be on staff in some way, shape, or form. And then who else is it going to be? Well, now that's where the fun begins. So Milt, the, you know, the Milt Wagner rumor has been out there for what four or five days now. There's nothing official on U of L's end. There's also no national reporter coming out and saying that this has happened. But there are people who are saying Milt Wagner has, whether it's a signed deal or a just you know unspoken agreement is going to come on and be an assistant coach. And I had, I, 
also, I haven't been able to confirm this. I probably should have before we start talking about it. But there are people that have said you can't do the old thing where it was just get a guy on staff but not an assistant role if he's got a relative that you're recruiting. Somebody said it became an NCAA rule to try and, and close this loophole that if you hire the relative of somebody who winds up coming to your program, they have to be one of the three assistant coaches. And that's why a, a consultant or something. Exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, we maybe that's why the Mo, Eric Mobley wound up being a full-time assistant at USC. Although, like I said, he's got he was a big, he's a big time AAU guy. He, you could understand why he would be hired as a coach in a program, even if he didn't have kids that were really talented. That'd be a loophole with an administration role or something you can give him. You'd think. Well, I mean, we hired the Shabari Lands or whatever his name was, Shabaka Lands, that was the um, Shabaka, the dad of or, or the 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 handler of Marcus Teague back in the day, and ended up not getting him. We fired him a day later. Mm. Which, by the way, that guy and. I thought that was going to – when you said lands, I was thinking in relation to the, the one Well, we, hold on. I'm, okay. about, I'm, I'm putting out a, a – there is some type of relationship between that guy and Kamari Lance, who's coming here. Yeah. And I, I, he's on Twitter. He's only got like 45 followers, but half of his tweets are about Kamari Lance. And I, I asked Greer, I'm like, do you know? Like, can you figure this out? And he's like, I can't figure it out, but it's very apparent that there's some type of familial relationship between these two. And I'm like, let's maybe we're riding all the wrongs of the past recruiting errors in the last fifty years. <laughs> maybe we get DJ Wagner after losing Dewan to Memphis because they hired his dad. Maybe we get Milt and we end up getting DJ and we write that wrong. Maybe we're getting Lance to write the Marcus Teague wrong. Yeah. We're getting Nolan Smith on staff after losing him to Duke as a player, which felt wrong back in 20, uh, 2007. Kenny Payne after being at UK now coming back home. It's all happening. It's all happening. It, everything that has gone wrong, you know, maybe we'll get the NCAA as like our personal. Like Mark Emmert's going to be our new Chuck Smart. We'll get him on staff to get the banner back up. <laughs> I was going to say, thank God you said the banner going up because I was like, I don't want anything to do with Mark Emmert. Well, nobody does. Yeah. nobody does. But you know, your personal consultant. Well, yeah. He has to do it as sort of, some sort of penance for getting fired as NCAA president, which is never <laughs> going to happen, but we can dream. We're dreaming big here. Um, so all that stuff is happening. So I'm feeling good about this. I, I I like, don't get me wrong, expected moves that we've heard so far, including with the who's staying, who's going. But in the first couple of weeks after you hire a new head coach, I think in an ideal world, you're looking for splashy, big-time news positive in a positive light that you didn't see coming. But just kind of holding serve and getting the things that you were expecting to get while not losing anything that you weren't expecting to lose. Like if we had gotten Kenny Payne, and instantly Sidney Curry and L. Ellis had transferred and, you know, Kamari Lands had decommitted, then I think we wouldn't be pressing the panic button. But it also, like, you wouldn't be able to hide the fact that you're disappointed. The guys that most of the fan base wanted to stick around have chosen to stick around. The head coach, the assistant coach that we wanted to get in here has signed up with us, and he's leaving Duke. The recruit that we wanted to hang on to, we've held on to him. And if you want to throw Caleb Glennon in the mix from 2023, I think you can throw him into the mix too because he seems very excited about Kenny Payne coming on here. So, you know, He's still locked in, yep. I think when we get the staff fully announced, you'll start to hear more buzz on the you know 2023 guys. You'll start to hear more buzz on the who we're targeting in the transfer portal. But for right now, like we're we're kind of holding serve, and it feels it feels good. It feels like we're off to the type of start that we were hoping we would get off to, and now we'll see what happens with with DJ Wagner and these twenty twenty three kids, and then some of the twenty twenty two kids that we're going after. What's the possibility? And I'm not saying this is the way I would go because I still would like to go with the veteran past in terms of one of the other assistants, but there's only two spots left, and one may or may not be. So maybe I'd say a fifty fifty shot is going to be maybe Milts. 
where, where is the possibility of a Purvis Ellison returning and joining the staff at some point? You, you've mentioned he's doing the AU thing up up northeast. Uh-huh. Uh, it's obviously not crazy to for you know coaches to bring in AU coaches that have had AU success specifically. And on top of it, it kind of fits the way we're going. I mean, we're kind of building the bridge of the early to late eighties Louisville, Louisville staff return. I mean, we've got you know, you've got Nolan obviously representing his father, who was a member of those that those great early eighty teams in eighty three and eighty two, and those great runs that we had. And you've got obviously now possibly Milt, who was a member of the eighty six, Kenny and, and Purvis, obviously a member of the eighty six that went to eighty nine. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just wondering where and. It's I mean, a fair question, and it's weird because I haven't seen that really tossed around a whole lot, which would make sense. I mean, if you're going to bring in Milt Wagner, you know, the obvious reason is his grandson's the number one player well, in yeah. the next recruiting class. But Ellison would make even more sense if you're looking at a former player who's got direct ties to recruits, who's been, I mean, he's been doing coaching in that area for a long time. And it would be kind of interesting because Ellison very notably has been, I won't say the most outspoken, but he's been the most obvious guy who has not returned to louisville i think he's been back one time since his yeah I, I, read, I read the direct article yeah well yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's very willing to express his thoughts to to Bozich. but you know it's it's notable when you have the you know the 86 team back for all these different things and he's the one guy who's not around mm-hmm. when he was the most notable player from that team and to get him back into the fold almost immediately after hiring kenny payne would certainly be I mean, interesting it's, yeah it's not like we're bringing him you know bringing i've got him no idea if he wants that I'm just was curious. I'm just I'm, I'm amazed his name hasn't floated around more, and it just I'm serious. Now that you say that, it would make sense that he's out there. But I've got no. I would be okay with him being the second guy, and then you bring in the veteran. I mean, I if, yeah. if if what you what you've told me is true, and I have no reason not to believe you, is that uh, you know he, he's been doing what he's been doing up there, and it just it, it just kind of makes sense. He, I mean, and maybe he, I know, I think he's coaching one of his kids up there. Maybe he just wants to see that thing through. It's understandable. I've maybe. got. I've got no insight there, but it is interesting that I have not seen that bandied about. The one other assistant coaching thing that I can tell you, and this is not me breaking news, this this broke um, last night, because one of the names that had been talked about as that potential third assistant for Louisville had been KT Turner from Oklahoma, who's coaching under Porter Moser. And uh, last night, one of their, I think Bob, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, who's a staff, staff writer at Schooner Scoop, they announced that one of their head coaches or assistant coaches was going to take the head coaching job at Sac State. Hashtag Stingers up. Go Stingers. Um, but KT Turner, they announced, will not be going to Louisville, and the plan was for him to return for a second season under Porter Moser. So he's a guy that I think we had reached out to. There have been multiple reports from both the Louisville side and the Oklahoma side down there that there have been contacts. But he's not not leaving. Uh, Yasir Roseman, we mentioned at Indiana, had recently gotten promoted to associate head coach and had gotten a pay raise. I'm not sure if that completely takes him out of the sweepstakes, but kind of assume that Indiana, it would. Indiana's losing all their uh, head coaches up there, except for the one that probably need to People lose. People want, yeah, they they want to. Yeah. Uh, I think Ashley Howard is a name that I threw out there last week. Is There's some buzz there. I don't know how serious it is. Um, Jarence Howard is another name that has been talked about. So you know, we'll see. I, I think that there's still probably some – there's a, there was a sense among some U of L people that the staff was entirely completed before we even started making these announcements. If that's true, I'm very curious to hear who number three is because <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, if they haven't announced yet, and it's somebody else. I mean, the only other two teams that are they can't announce are North Carolina and Kansas staff. Are we getting Bill Self? Are we? <laughs> 
Who, who's suck at NCAA? I, I don't even know who the assistants are on either of those staffs. To be they're getting, they're, self knows he's getting a two-year show cost, so he's going to come here and help jumpstart our program. He's like, it's, ju- it's just as a head coach, I can be an assistant somewhere. A consultant, yeah. That's- Let's get it going. <laughs> I'm going. I'm keeping my red and, red and blue stuff. Let's get this going. He's going to be the special assistant to Kenny Klein. He's sitting behind Owen Smith on the bench. Like, <laughs> you're, you're number two. This is going to be just like when Andre McGee was part of step and he'd sit behind the backboard when they'd call timeouts. He'd have to come running around to the side. Well, he wasn't an assistant. He was Dobo. It was that what it was, Dobo. Okay. Let's make it very clear. Andre McGee me up, and I'd watch him was come not <laughs> an assistant coach. You can say he was a staff member. He was not an assistant coach. This dude had to sit behind the backboard with the cheerleaders. Well, we made his, should have made his ass sit in the very top row. That's, <laughs> oh. In hindsight, we would have made him sit somewhere else. At first, I felt bad for him. And in hindsight, now, no, no longer. There's no part of me that's felt bad no, for him. No, no, no. At first, I did because I was like, that poor guy's got to run all the way around to the side to get in. But, oh, no. I meant when he got in trouble. Like, oh, no, now, now, no, yeah. All right, let's take a break. We, we talked over the top of the hour. When we come back, we'll get to the text line, 502-414-1450. We'll also talk about what happened in the men's Final Four games over the weekend and what may happen tonight in New Orleans. It's the Mike Rutherford Show rolling on here on a Monday on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. Young love, first love, filled with true devotion. Objectively, a horrible, horrible song. No, oh, come on. Shaggy! Shaggy! How do you hate Shaggy? Love I mean, big party when you're still young. Who's going to have your back does, when it's all done? This does have to be the only hook in the history of music that includes the word incarceration. <laughs> <laughs> All right, watch out, Patton, Sean. She was there for my incarceration. I want to show the nation my appreciation. Oh, come on. You didn't, you didn't jam. When did this song come out? I did not like this one. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna act like I didn't like all Shaggy. This was not. No, this only, was not my there's jam. There's only two Shaggies, right? It wasn't me. Well, th- there's three if you count Scooby Doo. But the, 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 uh, the artist. <laughs> come on. There was another one. Shaggy had some stuff going. Shaggy. No, the only two I know is Angel. This one and the. It wasn't me. Well, you know the. I mean the the very first one was the best. Oh, Boombastic. You know, Mr. Boombastic. Very fantastic. <laughs> yes. He I mean, he had some other ones, but like if he didn't have that voice, oh, he'd be nothing. Objectively, the, you know, the 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 flow and the lyrics just they suck. It's not good music. It's just it's it's not. I always liked it. I always this song was always catchy to me. I could I could jam to this. Sugar, sugar. <laughs> when did when did this come out? This was probably in your early two thousands. Yeah, I was. I want to say like right around two thousand. Let's look it up. Because it would be more your youth wheelhouse. It was like than early mine. in my high school, two thousand. There you go, two thousand. Okay, yeah. But Mr. So Bombastic, I, I was like, I was like fifth, sixth grade. Like that was a few years earlier. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, speaking of early two thousands, I would give a shout out to uh, Happy Birthday to my my main man Taylor Price. He's turned twenty today. Happy Birthday, Taylor. He's in, he's living life up uh, uh, the right way up at Pittsburgh University right now. Soak it up. Still uh, one still, year till you can have your first drink. Still remember the still remember the day I. Came to the hospital the night you were born, Taylor. Drunk, signing into the name Ken Shamrock to the security guard <laughs> with a bag of Taco Bell. Five hours later, we told your dad we'd be there with White Castle. Oh, that was a fun evening. 
it is weird it was watching. 20 years ago today. <laughs> man, watching relatives grow is bizarre. I've got three nephews. My brother's got three boys. And like I remember vividly finding out that they were going to have their first kid. I was at Dayton. It was my freshman year of, of college and like being so excited. I remember going to the, the hospital. And the youngest one, it was so recent that I had broken the news this is back when I tried to break news before I realized there was no point in it because <laughs> nobody's going to give me any credit. But I'd broken the news that Peanut Whitehead's playing career was over. And I remember I posted oh, the yeah. story and went right to the hospital. And then now, like this weekend, my brother, like, my youngest nephew is this badass hockey player. Like he's playing in all these all-star regional teams. And Oliver's is up there watching his tournament. And he sends me a video of him like skating, like deking these dudes and going like top shelf backhand. I'm like, that's, I'm like, how does like how does this happen? How, how, like all my nephews are about to be in high school. <sighs> it's just. Getting old sucks. Uh, you're, Don't you're, do it. I mean, I, it's like I said, I was, we, me and my buddy, and he was, I helped, uh, I was there a lot when Taylor was young, and it's crazy. It's just, it seems just like yesterday, he was, we were watching uh, TVG, and he was yelling, go pink eight, and Damn right. watching Dora the Explorer, and Lion King, and all those other cartoons. I mean, Lord, how many times I had to sit through Blue's Clues? Ugh. Speaking of, what was your thought Ugh. on the, uh, how'd you feel about the Arkansas Derby over the weekend? <laughs> 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 um, two big prep races, Trevor. Trevor, I for what it's worth, which isn't a lot. I do know what the Arkansas Derby is. Okay, uh, <laughs> good. Again, I didn't say it was worth a lot. It's for what it was worth. Give me a guess on who you think won. Like, just make up a, a name. horse. You're gonna like the name. Oh, this oh. might be your Derby pick. Oh, <laughs> um, since Amelia. No, <laughs> I, I, I like the effort. Okay. Ready for this? I was gonna go Shaggy until you said I like the pig. Shaggy, shaggy. Boombastic. <laughs> Cyberknife is the Arkansas Derby winner. Cyberknife out of the Brad Cox barn. Oh, that's Cox my man Roush. You know it. Oh, is Roush a big Brad Cox? Oh, guy? he worships him. Roush loves Cox. He's oh to to a degree <laughs> that is maybe borderline stalking. I, I mean, I kid you not. I think if he had his way, that would have been his first son's. His first son's full name would have been Brad Cox Roush. That's. I, mean, <laughs> I made one. I'm not, I'm not making another one. I'm done. I'm done. Oh, I did it too. I, I'm, okay. done. I'm done. Don't, don't worry. KRC will have plenty of that on, on Derby Week. They'll, they'll be saying it multiple times. Well, yeah. Once once we get there, he he is. There's a, a time and a place. Oh yeah, but he is. Uh, I mean, he probably has a a small shrine to Brad somewhere in the house. Uh, he big fan. I do like to, one of my many strategies, other than always bet the gray horse when it comes to Derby, is that uh, I, I sometimes will always put a little money on the Arkansas and Florida Derby winners. Or if it's the same horse, which I don't think it usually is. you know. But And sometimes they're the favorite, sometimes there's not. But sometimes I'll just throw two bucks across the board on those winners each Derby, just for the bleeps and giggles. Well, yeah, I mean, they usually run on the same day, so it's, it's hard to win both. Oh, Florida Derby was this weekend, too? Yeah. Well, that would have been pretty impossible. Should have had a. Uh, Who won the Florida Derby? Oh God, what was that horse's name? I should have had the. That's I, usually the one that's more favored to win the the, the Kentucky than it is Arkansas. Yeah, one. and I actually thought um, it's it was like a weird name, White Barrio. I think is is how you say it. But <laughs> I liked the the, the six horse Louis Sizes horse more, and I say Louis Sizes name because I remember that he was the rider that sucked. I think it was, I think it was Charge Me was the horse that I liked more. Um, okay, and should have won. I think it was the best horse in the race. Just I got probably a agree. Ride. Yeah, just get a different rider. Yeah, Louis Sias kind of sucks. Hey, he's a little, 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 little chunky, a little chunky side for a jockey. Uh, Charge it was the name of the horse. Charge it. I thought it was. I thought it ran the best race. I like that name. 
he got cut off on the at the end, and it's size uh, size fault. I guess he didn't charge properly. Didn't charge right. Uh, uh, you're getting called out also for saying Pittsburgh University. I was going to let it go, but the text line has. Does he Pittsburgh? Yeah, it's okay. Well, well that's, that's how you say it in, in Louisville, right? Pittsburgh University. Pittsburgh. Well, it's University of Pittsburgh. Who cares? It's Pittsburgh. You get mad if, when people say Louisville University. Yeah, but we're relevant. They're not. My favorite thing is when commits sign with programs and they don't know the name of the university. It's like I'm taking my talents to Louisville University, and it's like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm like, I'm excited, but get the name right. He's a pit, okay? Just say pit. He's a pit. Jeff Greer University. He's a sophomore. Please, a sophomore. Yeah, so- I think so. Something like that. Who? Taylor. Oh, well, I'm wishing a happy birthday to. Turn twenty today. Happy birthday. Uh, text Thornton's text line 502-414-1450. Uh, texters have mentioned, and I, I messed this up, I said Mikasa Robinson was not going, which was this was her last year, but she announced earlier in the season, uh, both her and Alana Smith did, that they're coming back for another That's year. I, okay. I, so you get your best defensive player back for one more you, year. We, so we just lose Emily and... Chelsea Hall and Chelsea are the big Hall. ones. And then I think Peyton Volhurst played a small role this year. She came off the bench basically when we had foul trouble during the postseason. I mean, she's a former McDonald's All-American. I think she can be a fantastic player. And then, oh, by the way, we have another top uh, five recruiting class coming in. I was going to ask you, yeah, who was wing players mostly? Any 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 kind of any, any girls that can play the five in there? I'm trying to figure out still the best way to word this. I, he, I, <laughs> I, I do love seeing you dance around. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say a big girl. Trying to say anything other than big girl. <laughs> I'm like, I'm testing out new mo- going with center, the five. Well, it, it doesn't help that like in basketball, in, in, on the men's game, the, the phrase big guy is so, you know, used by everybody. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I say it for the women's game and I'm getting yelled at on Twitter. <laughs> I think our, so the, the highest rated player that we have in our current class is Nyla Harris, who's a forward. Okay. She's 6'2". That's a good size. Yeah. We're going to be fine. Yeah. We're going to be good for a long time. And also, like, this is one of those. That's usually about Walls' center size, though, is around 6'2". Don't you feel like the the game on Friday, it was one of those where you can, you get, like, a quick glimpse into the future, and you can see whether it's next year or two years from now, the defining storyline of the uh, Final Four weekend on the women's side being, you know, two years ago. Haley Van Lith came and she was she was so confident. There were the clips of her saying, you know, we're gonna win this bleep and all this stuff. And then she got locked up. You know, had her maybe her worst game of the season, held mm-hmm. to nine points, and really it wasn't even that much. And she's used that yeah. as fuel to get even better and to make sure it never happened again. Like I can see that being a narrative that happens over the next two years, where it's like it just wasn't time. And then she that was the the game that had to happen for her to fully blossom into women's college basketball's next big star and to be this next big thing and to ultimately go out a national champion. Like, I can see that storyline playing out. That's the way that I'm choosing to, to spin Friday's loss. Did you lose a tooth or something? What no, I was, get, I, had, I was eating some Chick-fil-A in between breaks, and I was getting it out of my teeth. Got me a little bit nervous. You looked like you had a pain look on your face. I got no, scared for a second. Yeah, I, had, I, had I had it stuck in there. I was trying to get that out. Didn't have a toothpick on me. Uh, I, there was, I, I love where your mind is. I just can't help but wonder. UConn probably saying the same thing about Paige on first Sunday night. They are. I know. I mean, they have to. But I mean, she, you know, she did she play well? I, I, you know, honestly, I had to, I, I turned the game on at the beginning. I had the whole game on. I had it on in the background. Like I was. I didn't watch much of it. I, I, I had it on. I was watching it, but I wasn't. You know, it was on the. For I think most of the game, I was actually just watching like reruns. I've been rewatching Rescue Me on on Hulu. Great show, by the way. The things that you choose to rewatch. I, love, I, I wa- just don't. 
I watched it when it was first out, and I enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna rewatch it. To answer your question, she and was, it's a great see. It's a great show. I recommend it to anybody. She was the only UConn player who kind of did anything okay. last night. She wasn't great, but she scored 14. She's the only UConn player scoring double figures. Can you tell me why Don Staley was wearing a Letterman's jacket? By the way, no, and I don't want to know. <laughs> I noticed it, and I never really turned the volume up long enough to notice why, or even it just now clicked in my head. Even looking up on Twitter, why? Uh, yeah, let's see. Like, I'm just curious why she was like, did did Pete give it to her? Because that's what makes dreams worth living. <laughs> My dad always said, dreams are what makes life tolerable. I can't, I see, that's what I picture when I see her in a letterman jacket. I think <laughs> you were born to wear that jacket. You're born to wear that jacket, Don. <laughs> She's wearing her high school varsity jacket. Why? I don't know. I, don't. <laughs> I mean, it's. Is there a purpose? Get Don Staley on the show. I mean, do your job. Be a producer. Get her on the show right now. I mean, get out there. We'll ask her. I, mean, I guess the same question is why? Why do, you, why? why do you have the mask on when you only put it on for interviews and you have it down around your chin the rest of the ninety percent of the game? This is something that I so having done this myself, having having to work on the internet and understanding how you have to get page views to get advertisers and do all this stuff. I hate bashing these people, but it is so annoying when you search and try to find the answer to a question. And it just leads you to a bunch of stories that are trying to get you there because they know. <laughs> so, like, everything that you search about this is Don Staley's jacket and everyone talking. And then it's like, find out why by clicking below. And then you're like, oh, my God. It's like how Which you, is going to give you 15 ads of. And everyone has to write the same thing that, mm-hmm. like, on Super Bowl Sunday, like, you have to do. You have to get your post up. It's like, what time does the Super Bowl start to get that SEO attention? It's just so obnoxious. But, hey, when. When the world is run by who gets the most page views and the most clicks and the most engagement, <laughs> like that's you're, you're going to keep getting this stuff. Um, but I can't. I, I'm not clicking on these links. I'm, I, not, I'm not giving these people the satisfaction. I would push you to it, but I really don't care enough to worry about it. Exactly. So, so thank you for bringing it up and wasting two minutes I'm of the show. <laughs> you're welcome. Scooter Ding has texted in. What up, Scoots? He's quoting you and then making fun of you. Wait a minute. Quote from TK. Can I call him Shroomy for short? <laughs> And then, t- and then Justin says, mushroom and shroomy are the exact same amount of syllables. <laughs> so calling him shroomy. Is it really? Like mushroomy? Mushroomy. Okay. So calling him shroomy does not shorten that name at all. But it's less letters. Isn't a shorter version uh, 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 contributed to the amount of letters in the words opposed to the syllables? I'm not getting into this argument. No, we're not doing this. Not, hap- not happening. I mean, just, how many let- my foot is on the ground. How many I'm done. Are- this conversation is over. We are moving on from Scooter Dingus' text. R O O M. So there's uh, was it? Stop. There's what nine letters in mushroom. Stop. Texter says, <laughs> Nolan Smith won those games. <laughs> nice. Let's bring that up. Ooh, that'd be fun to Duke. Forget, yeah, forget uh, you know John Shire. All of Coach K's success, at least the last eight years. Is based on Nolan Smith. Now we just need to hire like UCLA's assistant and be like, he won those games too. Damn right. Texas says, so what you're saying is eight years from now, U of L women will win it all since the men won it eight years after that game in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. That Illinois game that I was comparing to. By the way, the score from that Illinois game. <laughs> yeah, I hope it does. not Hopefully it's a little bit sooner. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I hope the women's team doesn't hit the same path the men's team did. It was just one bad. It's going to be awkward having the Chippendale dancers and scandal in there. Well, that, that was a, that was after the championship. I did see that ESPN their first women's basketball rankings for next year came out and were 14th. Come on, do we get the same? When are you guys going to icky this response out? if we use Chippendale dancers to recruit in women's sports? I don't think the dancing was the problem. <laughs> 
the money exchanged and the <laughs> sexual favors was probably the bigger uh, issue. Hey, happens in the champagne room. It's, it's, it's not here there. By the way, the score from that Illinois game, 72-57, to 57, the men's team in 05 Final Four. Friday was 72-59. Okay, so it was 13. The big difference, I guess the only difference is Illinois lost the national title game to Carolina and then the South Carolina team dominated it did kind of feel like it did. It's one of those few title games I never watched because I was just didn't really. Oh, it was a great game. Oh five. Never seen it still to this day. Does it make you feel better when that happens? Like South Carolina dominates UConn yesterday. It made me feel a, a little, little bit. bit. Better. I thought about that too. Yeah, I mean it's. I hate the Kentucky beat him in the, in the SEC tournament. Well, just I mean, every crappy joke you can make was out there. I was like, ah. There, yeah, there is the narrative that yeah, if you're going to lose, you lose the team that wins the national championship. You know, I mean, I thought about it a little bit as I was watching. And the, they dominated the UConn. That makes they it did. Little, that makes they it a little bit better. Though, of course, the, that, that the, the devil's advocate to that shout out to Mr. Coffee is that uh, you could say well. That mean if we could have got past South Carolina, we would have dominated UConn, maybe. Yeah, which and we had already beaten them earlier this year. I know with or without Page is irrelevant, but I think that would have hurt more if the game had been closer. If it had been like the Mississippi State game a few years back, where you're like, man, we just we, we should have won that one. I'm glad I could I didn't couldn't find the women's basketball on the uh, DraftKings site the other day because I was going to bet UConn too. Man, what about after the UConn Final Four win uh, when they beat Stanford? Like they, I think I think it was Paige Beckers who they the lead into Sports Center was her being like. Nobody said we could do it. Like so, we just love keeping people proving people wrong. And they they show, they toss it back to the ESPN women's college basketball crew, and they're like, literally every single one of us picked UConn to win this game. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like everybody is going to use that now. Like the you know we did the bad news cards thing. When we were a one seed that beaten a sixteen and a nine. I, I mean, whatever. Well, you at least do. we were an un, we were an eight point underdog as a one seed. Going into the final four, I think it, you could play it up a little bit. But yeah. before then, it felt a little bit like. I mean, playing it against Michigan, yeah, was being a little over the top and and then UConn I mean yeah. you're, you're, you're UConn for God's sake I mean at least you were <laughs> a favorite in Vegas not only was everybody picking yeah. you to win this game you were fa- you were quite literally favored to win this game I mean at least in with Tennessee in the Sweet 16 yeah we were we were the higher seed we were favored but you can always still say it's Tennessee even if they aren't the Tennessee of five ten years ago I mean or maybe 15 now Texas I hate to do it but I'm gonna do it what does Nolan do? Smith coming here have any direct impact on Sky Clark I don't think so. I don't know what Sky Clark's relationship with with Nolan was before this. Um, I don't know how heavily he was recruited by Duke. I think the bigger deal is the that I mean, kid. I'm gonna have to look up his name now. So, somebody tell me how to pronounce this. His name, because I can't. Do you want me to try? Well, no. I I asked you on Friday. Did, but yeah, you spelled it for me. That didn't help me any. Exactly. What class is he in? It's the Mackenzie Mbako. M G B A K O. He's the number three player overall in the class of 2023. And my understanding has been that Nolan Smith's been his primary recruiter. And now you toss in the fact that he's, you know, playing for Purvis. He's up there in New Jersey. He's got this relationship with Kenny Payne. He's got this direct relationship with Nolan Smith. I think we should feel pretty good about this kid from, he's 6'8 forward, number three overall player in the class, number one forward in the class. Um, Somehow the number two player in the state because he plays in the same state as DJ Wagner. Like he had been previously a 100% crystal ball commitment to Duke, according to the, the 24-7 people. We have at least have a shot now. We should have a shot. I don't know why we wouldn't. That's the one that I would circle and say he helps us out there. The Sky Clark stuff, I don't think, unless something's changed and I haven't heard anything new from Friday, I can't tell you anything different, which is the notion that he's a Illinois lean is what I've heard too. 
I think if you get him, the longer this goes, the better you feel. Because if you can get him on campus, get that visit, you hope that Kenny Payne and, and Nolan Smith and this whole staff are convincing enough to make him flip. The other thing that's interesting, because somebody asked me today from Chicago, who is out of Chicago, it says, would Louisville be interested in Andre Corbello, who's, I think, announcement that he's decommitting or that he's leaving Illinois, he's transferring, is why most people think Sky Clark is going to, to go play for Illinois. And my answer is, I hope not. <laughs> I think he can be a good player. I you were his number one fan. <laughs> I understand why so many top programs, this is kind of my rocket watch thing from last year. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that you can curtail his game enough to make him effective. I mean, he's, it's awesome that he makes like a one pass a game that you're like, oh my God, like that's an NBA type pass. The other 15 passes he makes aren't good. So... <laughs> We'll see. Um, but I, to my knowledge, Louisville has not been involved with him. I think there's a lot of talk that he might go to Seton Hall, play for Sheen Holloway. Um, but the the one thing that does kind of make me want him to come here, and I, I think I've thrown this fact out several times before, but his dad, highest scoring total in the history of any opposing player in a game against Louisville. Joel Corbello has the most points any player's ever scored against UofL, and he played for the American University of Puerto Rico. I remember watching the game. It was way too cool. Sounds familiar. Yeah, it was a very close game, and he lit us up. I think he scored like 43 points or something, whatever it was. But Corbello's gotten a lot of interest nationally, but to my knowledge, has not been contacted directly by Louisville. The Sky Clark situation, I think, has remained the same. He's, he's probably an Illinois lean, and I think we're right there behind if something goes wrong there. Um, Texter says, I coached Nolan and his sister at the U of L tennis camp when he was eight or nine years old, about a year after Derek passed. Such a great kid then and a great man now. He, like Kenny Payne, is one of those guys that, and I know he's coached at Duke, and we can say all the things we want to about Duke, but he's one of those guys that you just, you don't hear bad things about. Like he, even when he was a player, like everybody just seemed to love him. Everybody just seemed to feed off of his energy. And he's been very well respected in basketball circles since he, his professional playing days ended and he came back to Duke. Like, it seems like we're just loading up with a staff of very likable human beings, which again, does it matter if you don't win high at a high enough level? Yeah, I think Mac was likable at the beginning too. Sure, I mean, but yeah. if you do win, I'm not going to add. I'm not going to act like it doesn't add an element to the overall enjoyment. If you feel like, hey, I'm rooting for guys that I would like to hang out with on a normal basis, I think would be good friends because they're good people. Like that, it's always more fun, even if it's just a slight slight increase in satisfaction level when you're rooting for for coaches and for players that you feel like are just genuinely good people and it sounds like at least so far we're assembling a staff of very likable human beings that everybody across the country seems to to respect highly so i feel good about that um texter says i'm still mad at nolan for not coming to louisville he broke my heart with his commitment i was upset about it too but i also understood it i mean if you come to louisville and play here it's tough to go to a college that your dad start at regardless of what the extenuating circumstances are because you're always going to be compared to him. But especially when his dad passed at such an early age, like he would have to have heard that story and told that story in those little vignettes that they do on CBS and ESPN and, and everywhere a thousand times over. And if he wasn't ready to deal with that just yet, then I don't blame him one bit for going somewhere else, especially when that other place is Duke, you know? Like he, if he comes here, not only does he have to live up to his father's superstardom, but he has to tell the story about his dad dying at such a when he was at such a young age and trying to carry on his legacy. He's got to relive that for every 
you know, D minus news organization that's out there trying to get the easy story. And that would have been, that would have been tough. And if you're, if you don't want to deal with that, I, I completely understand it. And he went to Duke. He had a great four years, averaged over 20 points per game his senior year, helped them to a national title in 2010 and set himself up for a nice career after basketball. I, I, I didn't like it. I would have loved for him to come here just because he was so good and the Louisville legacy and all that good stuff. But I'm not going to blame him for making that decision. It was also, it was like 15 years ago. Let's get over it. It's fine. I'm trying to think who he would have. I was just looking at trying to remember the roster he would have been a, a member of. I think from that class. He was in 07, 08 was his freshman year. So that was the year we lost to North Carolina in Elite Eight, which would have been that class included Preston. It was a very low class. Right. We didn't take many players. Yeah. We took Sosa and Jerry Smith and those guys the year before. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that class, because they, we were so Character, loaded. Smith, Clark, yeah. Because you forget, Preston Knowles, we took him like in July. Like he was a very late addition. We had like nobody on in that class because we the roster was so loaded. And because we had like T. Will came back, we, we, we didn't lose him. Like we had more guys. You know, Earl Clark, some people thought he was going to be a one and done, even though he didn't play much as a freshman. Like we had very little roster spots. So I mean, let's say this. If we have a junior Nolan Smith, do we even get a freshman Peyton Siva, I wonder? Probably not. I mean, we we got a freshman we see, but when we have a senior Edgar Sosa, a little different, knowing that you only had to sit one year, kind of in behind, opposed to waiting two. It's it's kind of the the way things may have gone if if the times had changed. The the butterfly effect. Yeah, because we really weren't going after point guards because we we thought that Sosa was the going to be the guy. He yeah. was the guy. I mean, yeah. he had well, him and Smith was going to be the backcourt. I mean, that was and well, they were well. He and McGee split time. Both those his first his really his first three years. Um, but 07, at the end of that season, when he had that huge game against Texas A&M in the tournament, I think we all sort of just assumed that was the moment. Like, he's the guy moving forward, and then he was so erratic in 08, 09 that both times McGee ended up winning the starting job, um, and then it was Sosa's team in 2010, and it, it didn't go great. But yeah. I love Edgar Sosa as a person. He was, he was, hard. He was hard to watch as a player. Feast <laughs> or famine. Uh, Texter says, so technically it wasn't an original. Uh, hold on. Okay. Love this. Love that we're getting facts about uh, the that song from 1957. Oh, the... Uh, young Love. Young Love. Texture says, for Trevor, technically Ooh. Young Love was written and released by Rick Carley in 1956, but that version never charted. Then in 1957, both Sonny James, that's what I thought. That's what I said, yeah. And Tab Hunter released it a few weeks apart in January, Sonny with Capitol Records and Tab Hunter with Dot Records. Ah, okay. So technically, it wasn't an original and cover that reached number one, but two covers. I believe only nine songs have had original and cover both reached number one on Billboard, but typically at least a decade between songs. That's wild. The fact that it was it being number one by two different people within like a month or two is just insane. It's nuts. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine. That is crazy. I didn't realize it was, I, I just assumed that when I saw the James, I thought it said the original, but I guess I was wrong. Texas says, I'm on my way to Indiana to play some bets for tonight. What's the play? Well, we'll talk about that later. Okay. I was going to say. Texas says, speaking of, I can't say that word. Come on. <laughs> yes, I saw the, the Sue Bird, Diana Tarazi in-game jokes about South Carolina, the Gamecocks, and what they said. I, I, I'm not comfortable repeating it on air. You have to tell me off the air then, because I don't know what you're talking about. You can find the clip. Uh, okay. Text that I'm excited for Alexia Mobley on the women's team. She can dunk. Well, that'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. We had we, we haven't had a dunk. We have, have we had a dunk in a little bit. Ooh. Has a little women's player ever dunked in a game? I don't think. I think Angel could dunk. I'm sure she could. I don't know if she ever did it in a game. 
I mean, I'm, she, I would imagine she maybe did at some point during her Atlanta days in WNBA, but. Man, that's a good question. I, mean, I feel like I would have remembered it if it had happened. I mean, it's not. I mean, the thing is, is though, you haven't seen. I mean, and it still doesn't happen on a regular basis. But I mean, the first dunk in a women's game was um, the Tennessee player. Was it Parker? Was that the first one to do it? Really do it in a women's game? I remember her doing it and it being a big deal. I don't remember if it was the very first though. And then obviously you saw it with Brittany Griner a few times. And then I think has there been a, who, who else is. Is there any other women dunked in the game that I can think of? I'm sure there have been has. a few now. I'm sure there has been, yeah. Like there's there, there was one at like a, a low level this year, and she like crammed. I remember nice. being on Sports Center. Uh, apparently, Angel has dunked in the WNBA. She tried to dunk in a game at Louisville, but it didn't go well. Ah, okay. Is what I'm seeing via quick research. Here. That's the closest we've maybe I guess come. I don't see it happening really right now, as we've talked about with Walls. He's more of a a guard oriented team that we're not going to have a lot of. I think ladies that are. Likely to dunk. Yeah. Texas says Andre Corbello is like Russ Smith if he wasn't good at basketball. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, it's like Russ Smith if he couldn't score. It's funny. <laughs> Great pass and then terrible pass. Uh, Texas, everything Trevor says is so on brand. <laughs> Rescue me, Dennis Leary, LOL. <laughs> Rescue me is awesome. I'm, don't know. Hey, are you talking about I don't show? think he's hating. Okay, good, good. I, I, good. Because this show is, I mean, it takes you on every, it's hilarious. It's got drama. It makes you cry. It makes you laugh. It is a, it is a, one of the more perfect shows. Texas, in less, down. in less than five years, we will see T-shirts that say Nolan won those games. Why not? <laughs> well, five years? Let's say less than five minutes. All of Duke and Kentucky, and Kentucky's success over the past 10 to 15 years have been based on people that are now on our staff. That's what we're saying. I mean, you don't even – let's not even forget the fact that Nolan was also on the championship team. He was a player in the last, one of their last title teams as well. Yeah, one of their last title games. Ten, yeah. So 2015, won, I'm yeah. saying that's our title and also our undefeated run to the Final Four because Duke won the title and Kentucky went to the Final Four. So we started that season 38-0, and then we lost, but we still won the national title. That's ours. <laughs> that's on our staff. Do Kentucky fans hate that Devin Booker commercial where, he's like, where they make fun of him basically losing the, the Corona commercial? Yeah. it's It makes me smile a little bit. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And then, what is it, Sue Bird comes in at the he's end? Like, it's like, yeah. perfect, yeah. I don't. I mean, it's yeah. perfect. Is not losing, and Devin Booker's got this like look on his face. He's like, uh. by the way, the amount of North Carolina fans in my mention. So I, I sent that. I was salty on Saturday. I was sending a lot of just salty <laughs> tweets out there. I was salty too. I bet Duke minus four. We're gonna talk about the rival, <laughs> the, the, the game in a little bit. But I, I, I put out there. I was like, you know, if Carolina doesn't get that Yum Center screw job, which turned that you know they've been on a big losing streak going into that game, they had to avoid what would have been a quad four loss. If they if they lose that game, if they don't get bailed out by the ACC refs, they might not even make the NCAA tournament. Now, that one loss probably doesn't keep them out based on what they did, but maybe it would have been enough to set them back that they had another loss in the days that followed and they would have just spiraled. But so I'm saying Louisville basically ended Coach K's career. Once again, we saved college basketball. And you might remember, of course, UCLA stole our spot in the NCAA tournament last year. Mitch Barnhart screwed us. They took our spot. That was ours. Everybody thought it was going to be ours. I thought it was going to be ours. We got screwed. But we basically went to the Final Four with UCLA last season. And so for us to get that Final Four win over Duke this year with North Carolina, a lot of I feel like it was a lot of exercising some demons from the Jalen Suggs-Gonzaga game in the, in the Final Four last year, and it felt good. That's our win. Put the, put the banner up in the Yum Center, back-to-back Final Fours, at least a national title game appearance this year, that belongs to us. Once again, we saved college basketball. 
listening to you connect all these dots, the only thing that comes to my mind was, did you go out to my car during the last break? I'd be a great I conspiracy mean, theorist if I, if I wanted to dive into those waters. I mean, I feel like I could start some sort of QAnon I, thing. I, like Alec Jones worships you. I mean, what the? I could I could be a great manipulator if I wanted to use those skills. I mean, but the the amount of Carolina fans in my mentions who are just like, this is the. This is the dumbest thing. Like, does Louisville even have a basketball team? Like, what are you guys doing? I'm Wait, like, well, North Carolina, hold on, like, hold on. One, pick up on the obvious sarcasm. Two, shut the bleep up. I don't even get care. Out of my you face. are picking up North Carolina. Why are you concerned with what we're saying? Any, you just literally ended your your biggest rivals. We're gonna get there. We're gonna talk. Greatest about icon of a coach. You ended his career. You gave him his first ever and his last ever loss in his coaching career. You sent him a. Is there anything? Uh, there's, there's nothing better. I mean, even if Louisville did that and it, it knocked out Kentucky in the Final Four and Cat will be Cal's last game, that would still be good, but still wouldn't reach the level of, of doing it to Duke and Coach K. You think I'm Twitter searching what happens? You know what people are saying about Louisville if that happens? I don't care. Like I, I'm celebrating I, yeah, for 15 days. You're in the national title game. You just you just sent Coach K home. You gave me his last two losses. Why do you care what Louisville thinks? I. Uh, why? They also... Man, you know why? Well, I, tell you, I tell you what, hold on, hold on. We, we have to take a break. I know why they care. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into the Duke Carolina stuff, the the reaction. I think it's... Uh, there are interesting things to talk about here that actually directly relate to us. So we'll do that after the break. We'll take more of your text at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Baby, Shorty, you're my angel. You're my darling angel. Girl, you're my friend when I'm in Welcome back in. Wrapping up hour number two here of the Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Quick note also on the Louisville baseball front. Cards will take on Kentucky tomorrow in the first of two meetings of the Battle of the Bluegrass. Tomorrow's game is in Lexington. 6.30 is the first pitch. Cards, a little bit of a rough weekend after kind of finding their stride the last uh, few weeks. They dropped two of three at Pittsburgh, who is not considered to be one of the better programs in the ACC. They won the second game very handily, but uh, dropped two games. Uh, Dropped the first game of a doubleheader on Friday and then yesterday's rubber match. But hopefully can bounce back with a nice midweek win over Kentucky, who I don't think they've lost to since 1952 was the last time that UK defeated Louisville in baseball. I believe Tab Hunter was had the number one song on the radio. Tab Hunter was a we he was currently writing. Um, <laughs> his future number one hit yeah. was inspired by the baseball team, the Cardinals, taking care of Kentucky for the 75th straight time. Frank McGuire was head coach of North Carolina. He was. Fog Allen was still at Kansas. The NCAA was just launching its investigation into the men's basketball program, and we were uh, still awaiting results of that. Weird, weird note uh, to that uh, to, to, to a connection between the Knights, Kansas, North Carolina. The last time these two met, 1957, as I mentioned, that was uh, Kansas's. Uh, I'm blind my brain partner's name. Never first year coach. Fog Allen had retired the year before. Oh wow! So in, in kind of reverse fashion, where North Carolina's first year coach replacing a legend. Uh, Kansas was in the same path going into that game. There, there are a lot of weird parallels. It's kind of like the old um, Lincoln JFK deal. I, yeah. I want to get into those in the in the third hour because I wrote some down. 
But they are. It is. It's an interesting national title game for a variety of reasons. I think it's also going to be a really fun game. Um, but there are some weird, weird, strange parallels. But I, w- I want to talk a little bit about because we haven't done it yet. Dick Hart, by the way, was his name. Who could forget Dick Hart? I have, apparently, I I did. I brain farted on him for some reason. Incredible which name. Is, which is easy to do because he was not a very good coach. He was not one of Kansas' better coaches. He just took over a really good team left by Paul Gallon. Uh, Texter sent in also the, the the clip of Alexia Mobley, who is signed to play at U of L next year, dunking, and it's I mean it's it's a real cram like it's she she dunks like, it's not just fingertips on the rim baby. no it's it, she's up there she she's she could do it in a real game did I you think. did were you able to dunk in your oh my day? god no are you kidding Look, me I'm just I don't know I mean. I've got so there's a picture. Of, you know, my dad played basketball at Mail, and then he played in college at Kentucky Southern, which which no longer exists. But he mm. he's like very short. We're not a big family, no. but he's I've got like five inches on him. I think he's like five five six five five. But there's a, a picture of him in our basement, my parents' basement, of him when he's playing at Mail, and he's going up for a rebound, and his like hand is like above. It's like right at the, the square. <laughs> I'm like, how did I not get any of these jeans? I, I got. Did you ever come close? No, I can't. My, I cannot jump at all. Yeah. Like I am the classic, like young Catholic school white basketball player. Like I, I can shoot very, very well. It's all I've got. I can't that, do anything else. He's, he's that, the guy that been the church lady. He's like, I'm not great at basketball. I can't, but I can rebound and I can play defense. I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm gonna light it up from the outside. I'm gonna do nothing else. I'm catching. I'm shooting. I, you don't want me dribbling. You don't want me going for rebounds. I'm not gonna play defense. I'm just going to shoot threes. It's what I've got. It's what I'm going to do. And that's that was pretty much my entire career. Like I just I never had a good vertical. I was fast, could not jump at all. Like I, I was straining to like get backboard in eighth grade. Still, when my friends were like grabbing like like the rim, like I just couldn't do it. And Dad, you know, thanks for nothing. Congrats, thanks, Dad. You gave me the shot. You gave me none of the uh, actual athleticism. So I appreciate that. You don't want to ask me. I I just kind of assumed you couldn't dunk. <laughs> really? Damn, thanks, man. Good friend you are. I mean, sorry. <laughs> Wait, am I assuming incorrectly? No, but that's the point. <laughs> you could have still at least like like gave me a throw me a freaking bone over here. I mean, the fact that you even asked me shocked me. Like I I mean I look at me and I'm like there's no way that guy. Can well, dunk. I mean I know you're on the shorter side, but I mean. It, it, you know, in your in your your teen day, late teen days, early twenties. I mean, what about me strikes you as a Mac McClung vibe? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's a kid, I saw Spud Webb win a dunk contest for God's sakes. I mean, uh, you could have at least like just been like nice, and I mean, even if he's like tongue in cheek, and like so you. I mean, and of course, no. I mean, I just it assumed- didn't it didn't help that I can't. I've never been able to. Like, like pops gave me a little bit of decent size at six three, which uh-huh. is amazing because I mean I. I heard I'm, what I've been told. I've never I met my dad, but he was like on the taller side. Uh-huh. And my mom is tiny. Like my mom is like welcoming, you know, Judy Garland Oz small. <laughs> and like and it's, and so it's I got met in the middle of six three, but like I got like I guess more dad's height, but I got mom's hand size. I can't palm like a Nerf ball. Like I've got carny hands. No. I hate it. And so even if I could get some hops, I would never be able to like the palm the one hand. I've never been a Palma basketball. Sucks. So I was right in assuming. I mean, I just thought we were on the same page <laughs> no, here. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody's listening to the show and they're like, I bet one of those guys can dunk. Well, they could have made, well, I mean. Did, now, I'm assuming you had a goal in the backyard. Oh, yeah. 
And I did as well. Unfortunately, I had no concrete in my back because we had septic tanks. All I did was play in the backyard. So right? I had mine was like mine was like I'm like Ricky. I'm like uh, your boy in Hoosiers with the the, the rim, uh-huh. but no, but dirt underneath it. So that's why I, I, I use that as my excuse of why I never been how to dribble. But Can I would you always really not shoot. name the best basketball player from Hoosiers. Bobby Plump. Well, that's the real. You can't name the, the character. Jimmy Chitwood. Oh, first you said Ricky. <laughs> well, I was I was thinking originally Ricky uh, from Blue Chips. Oh, okay, that, well, that makes that sense. was where my mind was originally going to go, but I thought it'd be more obvious to go to Hoosiers. And yes, I just named them both real and fictional names. That's fine. So, so yeah. suck it. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> and, uh, so I I I would, but I would lower it. I'm assuming you did the same. Did you have the goal you can move down a little bit uh-huh. with the yeah the, the broom out there we, the ra- or the yes rig. yes and we lowered me and of course the friends in the neighborhood we lowered it down i want to say seven maybe yeah we would go eight so well we wanted to be able to do like the real cool stuff yeah. i mean i mean it was but i think that's where we put about seven and i could dunk on that so that i don't think i ever tried to even go any higher yeah i dunked on eight foot goal that was about it. i did though. but that was a different higher later on in life yeah yeah, yeah. we're gonna do <laughs> I, I mean, I, I played basketball in my backyard just growing up every single day. Yeah. Like, it didn't matter if it was wet. It didn't matter if it was snowy. Just, I, here, I just constantly yeah. played. And it broke my heart that, like, out of the three major sports, basketball was easily my worst growing up. <laughs> like, I, like I said, like, I could, I could really shoot it. And I think I, I think I thought I was better than I was in grade school because we had two kids that were actually, like, really good. Like, Chris McCoy, who maybe is listening. I know he's, he's a doctor now. I remember Chris McCoy at St. Matthews. He was a – I mean, ended, was up, good. ended up being an all-state player at Trinity, mm-hmm. walked on at NC State. Um, he was very good, and then my buddy uh, Eric Wanning was good too. Don't remember him. And so, like they, he played. A, he ended up playing just football and baseball at Trinity after uh, freshman year. So, but like they would draw defenses in, and so I could just stand on the behind the three point line and just bomb when my guy went in to cut off drives. You were the Trinity's Rusty Ferris. And so, yeah, and so, and so like <laughs> I grew up thinking like oh, I'm pretty good. Like I'm I'm scoring a decent amount of points. I'm making a, and then like I got older and realized oh you kind of have to be able to dribble and do more when you're five foot ten yeah. and don't have a whole lot of uh, other skills. But what are you gonna do? So I, I blame the fact I didn't have cement on my backyard court. It was all. All grass, still is all grass to this day. Nobody upset the tanks anymore. But you'd be in the pros. That if would you'd be had, you know, gravel. I played a lot. Did you ever play the game Ghost? What's that? It's where you take a shot. If you hit, you get one point. If you miss, Ghost gets two points, and you played a twenty-one. No, that's that. I did that a lot back in the back backyard by myself. I'd play a lot of imaginary games, just kind of like I mean, whole team, but just it was playing myself. It was where you like so you just take jump shots, and if you hit a you know three, you get two points. But if you miss, Ghost gets. You know, makes sense. Oh. And then that's kind of the way to. So if you fall behind, you just go up and you get a couple layups real quick. Yeah. Got to catch up and then go back to shooting. Yeah, you got to be the star, right? You're yeah, you got to. Star of your own story. Well, we have successfully talked too much about that to, to get into the Duke UNC stuff. So we'll save that for the next time. <laughs> we got about five minutes here. So I'll go back to the text line. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. 502 414 1450. Texture says, uh, Who wins a national title first, the men's team or the women's team for Louisville? I feel like women's is still the safe bet. I'd say if I had to make a bet, I'd say women's, but I'd like to say maybe both at the same time next year, possibly. Well, I mean, we'd all like to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be. If you're, I mean, honestly, it's a legitimate question because the women's team has certainly been far more close the last seven, eight years. Is you kind of the only one maybe to do men and women in the same year? Um, Why do I think Florida did? No. Then Florida won it to their women's Florida team? won football and men's basketball the same year. Okay, that that's, what I, okay, that's where of. my mind. Okay, but has anyone won? I mean, UConn's the only one I can think of that would have done it, right? Surely. I mean, I would think in either '99 or oh, what, oh four. Well, I know they they have. I know they've done it before. Yeah, maybe, I think they've done it twice. Ninety oh four would make sense in 2011 and 2014. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I, I can't imagine anybody, anybody else has ever well, done it. Well, I know Tennessee's never done it, Because the men have never won. And then Notre Dame, no. Well, when, what year did North, North Carolina win the women's, I want to say, in 90... I don't think they were 93, the year the men's won. But the North Carolina women's team won it because they hit a shot at the buzzer to win the championship in, in the early 90s. Uh, let me look it up. They won it in 94. So close. So close, okay. 93 would have been... Don't ask me why, but I want to say Texas Tech. You're right. Jeez. That was Cheryl Swoops. I never, I had no idea Texas Tech had won a women's basketball. They, they beat Ohio State. Ohio State was led by the freshman Katie Smith, and Texas Tech had Cheryl Swoops. You're correct. I remember watching that game still. So. so let me see. So Maryland has won a women's title, which I didn't know. Yeah, dude, I didn't know. In that. 06. I, I didn't know Purdue won one. I didn't know that either. I didn't see that until I saw in the little the analysis that won a championship with Purdue in '99. <laughs> I was like, well, wow. <laughs> so Baylor kind of came close because they won it in women's in 2019. But I, I, just looking at this, I'm assuming UConn's the only program to have done it. Did the women win it in 99, 04, 11, or 14? The UConn women? Yeah. They won it in 14. Okay. They did not win it in 2011. That was Texas A&M. What about 04? They did win it in 04. That would have been that would have been the first time then probably. Unless they did it in 99? No, Purdue won. Okay, so yeah, I just said that. Uh, uh, so yeah, 04 would have been the first one. So, yeah, they're the only program to do it. They've that was also Coach K's first, uh, last uh, Final Four loss before this weekend. He'd won, yeah. he'd, he'd gone, he'd won eight out of nine Final Four games until uh, this weekend. There Which, that go. was a stat, by the way, I had seen on the little bottom thing and kind of blew my mind. Texture says, if you were to guess the percentage on that we get off on everything with the NCAA. Well, everything. Well, I mean, we, that's, it's impossible because we've already been punished for some of it. In some ways. Well, not the FBI stuff. Oh, okay. All the punishments we've been given. Can you be more specific? I know it's hard <laughs> to keep track of. I mean, unless you want to, to deal, to, to chalk up the time we've been waiting for our punishment as an actual punishment, which is fair. As I mean, everything, I would put it at like, I don't know, 1%. I was going to say like 15, 20 maybe. Even. Everything means like no probation no recruiting restrictions. Oh, wow. No show yeah. cause for Patino. Although I guess that, that like it, it, everything is, to me is no punishment at all. Like they say, you're in the total clear, which is not going to happen when you have, um, what, a total of seven violations levied against you. I know only one's level one, but still, seven violations, you're going to get something. I mean, but if you do anything, any kind of punishment kind of below a, a, a postseason ban, that to some me, people will look at that as no punishment. So, yeah, if, if that's what we're talking about, because I would be one of those people. If 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 Louisville gets no postseason ban, to me that's getting off. Like that that's yeah, I'd agree. Even though you know you're probably going to get some sort of scholarship reduction, which will hurt us, and we'll get probation, mm-hmm. and we'll have some sort of financial penalty. I would also assume Rick Pitino's going to get something out of this, just because oh, he was in charge of the program. He's got to does, does church in some way. I mean, no. Okay. They won't. I mean, you, 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 ads don't get show cost penalties, so like, I don't think he would get anything. But like, there's going to be punishments handed down. The question now becomes: Do we get a postseason ban? Do we get multiple postseason bans? How does that play out? And if you're asking, what do I think the percentage chance is that we get no postseason ban? I know some people here locally are are feeling confident about it. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I just, like I'm blindly feeling confident. About it. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm I'm I, I'm giving an exterior confidence, 
but inside, I'm a, a scared little boy. <laughs> what part of our dealings with the NCAA over the last decade know, exactly. have led anyone to believe that we're going to get some sort of leniency from them? Now, I will say, like, if we've only had one case come to a conclusion from the IRP, and it was encouraging for everybody else who's going through this process. And now you've also had Mark Emmert repeat what the IRP said at that time with NC State, which is we're trying to not punish people who had nothing to do with this. If that's truly the case, then you would think, stands to reason, Louisville's going to get no postseason ban because nobody involved with this program. I mean, we've gone, we've gone through like three different coaches since the last coach who was here during all this. We've gone through like 15 different presidents. Three ADs. Four <laughs> different athletic directors. Like nobody here is, is still around. Tree. But what separates things, I think, one, Louisville's still an easy target for the NCAA, which is wanting to show some form of strength when everybody's making fun of it. Everybody's saying, what are you doing here? And we're a repeat offender. We The stuff that is laid out in these allegations, which includes the Chris Mack extortion stuff, is stuff that has taken place while we were already on probation. I, uh. I will get more encouraged if the IRP cases that get resolved before us have similar conclusions to the NC State case. Like If Kansas gets nothing, if Kansas gets no postseason ban, then... I'll quit watching college basketball if we get a postseason ban and they oh, don't. Oh, man. Because that would be – if LSU – I've said that before too. <laughs> because what apparently is laid out in the in the, the NOA, according to LSU, looks really bad. You've got – we know about the Will Wade recordings, but you also have Will Wade apparently actively trying to cover, cover up evidence like Penny Hardaway at Memphis. So if LSU gets nothing, that will make no sense. But it also will make me feel more encouraged about our own case. So I'm kind of rooting for everybody to to, uh, to get off scot-free, even though I don't think it would make any sense, because it would lead to a better chance of us not having our own issues. Makes you more angry. We got what we got with the Pal stuff, while North Carolina got absolutely nothing right going up against us for their, their, for their cheating, which was... Makes me irrationally angry. Or the... You have no idea how angry I was. Or the, oh, the Kansas gets off scot-free and we get punished... On this trip around. Which one makes you more angry? This one would be more egregious. Because we're basically in the same boat together in this one? Why are the North Carolina no, one was... they're in a worse boat than we are. It okay. bears repeating. Well, in that, the last situation, North Carolina was worse offenders than we were. But there was an out there. And the out was, these aren't... This does not follow... File, f- fall under the jurisdiction of the NCAA. And ours was icky. Ours was icky. That was it. But in this specific case, we have a notice of allegations with violations laid out by the NCAA and Louisville bears repeating out of their seven violations, alleged violations, only one is level one, which is the most extreme. Kansas has five level one violations. Three of those directly tied to Bill Self, who is still the head coach there and is maybe seven hours away from winning a national championship. So if you, if you look at the two cases and and if Kansas gets off and we get more, when we've got one level one violation, they have five level one violations, we got rid of everybody, they got rid of nobody, then that to me will be way worse. Because at least it was a bogus explanation on the North Carolina side, at least to me. Because if, if, if you're going to say, we can't deal with this because normal students have the same benefit as the student athletes, then change your bylaws. Because well, they if, only if, accepted it so they could avoid punishing North Carolina because they didn't want to punish North hell Carolina. Hell yeah. But if, you're, if that's your excuse, that your bylaws don't allow for you to step in and handle something that flies in the direct face of everything that you supposedly stand for, then change your GD bylaws. <laughs> like that's 
would seem to be the simple explanation. I, I, I wouldn't have put it past the NCAA giving North Carolina that excuse going, hey, listen, if you say well, this, now we don't have to punish you. I, the fact that they changed <laughs> nothing after not being able to, to, you know, we have our hands tied, we can't act in all this, we'd love to because it, you know, this is it's just as a shame at the notion of a student athlete. This great university is giving out sham degrees to athletes and also normal students as well, but we can't do anything about it. Then you would have changed your bylaws if you cared that much. The fact of the matter is you didn't want to punish North Carolina, so you didn't punish North Carolina. No. And that's the long and short of it. But right now, you've gone this far. You've given the NOA, which by the way, the IRP website updated Kansas's case for the first time in four months yesterday, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> but if you've laid out all these violations against both Louisville and Kansas, and Kansas's, in your estimation, are far more significant than what took place at Louisville, and the person most responsible for them taking place is still the head coach, while whereas Louisville got rid of Rick Pitino and the AD and everybody else, and you still say Louisville gets a harsher punishment for Kansas, then that to me would be more egregious than what took place with Carolina. Not to mention, if that happens, and this is now the second time you've had compared with Louisville to Kansas and Louisville to North Carolina, I can't help but get aggravated at the old, the, the classic and great Jerry Tark comment where he says, you know, Kentucky, there it is. Kentucky commits a penalty, but Cleveland State gets penalized. And they're so mad at Kentucky, they're going to ban, they gave Cleveland State the death penalty. And it, what what irritates me with that, but that, with that using that saying with, in our situation is that puts us at the Cleveland State level. And that 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 is irritates me almost as much as anything. I'm with you. Texas, we're not that. Texas has new message board topic. Mike Rutherford said we're not going to get a postseason ban. <laughs> oh, I posted that weeks ago. Texas, every white Louisville Catholic grade school basketball player in the early 2000s, I was so good at shooting back in the day. Well, you can ask around. I, I, first of all, it wasn't early 2000s. It was late 90s, unfortunately. I wish it was early 2000s. <laughs> but, yeah, that's all I could do. Uh, but I could do it. I, I was a decent little shooter myself. I didn't know I shot. I shot well, but it's like – Again, all I could do. I'm not going to pretend that. And it broke my heart because I would have given anything to be as good at basketball as I was at baseball or football in grade school growing up. And I just I wasn't. It was my favorite of the sports. It was easily my least, uh, the, the worst. I wish I'd stuck with baseball longer. I only played baseball one year. I actually made, I made all-star team. Look at you. But, I mean, because I was Pete and Cavillia out there. Like, I get a hold of it. I can get, I could get a little ride. Problem is, I'm only getting – I'm like – like your boy from Mighty Ducks. I'm like one, so he's one out of five. Of, he's one out of five. I was more like one out of 15. Well, you know. And I was, and when I say all star team, I didn't play. I was on the bench, but so, I was a right so. field, a right field first baseman. All right. We've talked over the five o'clock <laughs> hour. We got to go to break. When we come back, North Carolina Duke discussion. Didn't get in a bat. We'll talk about, we'll talk about tonight's game as well. I've got thoughts on the national title game. You can read those on SBNation.com. Shameless plug there. All that stuff's coming up in the five o'clock hour. We'll also rehash uh, a little bit of the, the women's basketball talk and, talk about the men's basketball news of the day, which is Nolan Smith joining the staff, Noah Locke in the transfer portal, Mike James coming back. All that, hour number three, Mike Rutherford Show, up next. And the girl caressed me down, uh, and that's that loving sound, and I went, uh, and the girl caressed me down, uh, and that's that loving sound, when that kiss makes me feel horny, cause I'm the type of lover with the sensitivity. Welcome in. Five o'clock hour here. 
part of the Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X. We've been reacting to all the big news of the weekend and the big news of today. We talked in the first segment of the day about the women's basketball loss to fr- to, on Friday to South Carolina and how the Gamecocks went on to dominate UConn in last night's national title game. We've talked about... On the men's basketball side, the big news of the day, Nolan Smith reportedly, according to multiple sources, joining Kenny Payne's first staff at UofL, leaving Duke. We're still beating the Blue Devils and stuff, even after Mike Krzyzewski has uh, has called it a career. Uh, Nolan will come here and reportedly be the associate head coach on Kenny Payne's first staff. We also had some roster news. Mike James staying, the freshman who we didn't see at all this year because he suffered an injury at one of the first practices of the season in October. He's sticking around. Noah Locke, as expected, has entered the transfer portal. He's got one season of eligibility remaining. And then we've talked about... Uh, that is one surprise. We, we, we were curious whether he was going to transfer or maybe go pro. I think I still... I think that's still, still to 50-50. be seen. I think he's going to see what his options are. Okay. And then if it's not an attractive option, I can see him going ahead and just choosing to start his professional career, which I can't fault a kid. You, you no, have a I limited window yeah. to make money off of, your, uh, off of playing a game. And if you want to get that started sooner rather than later, why not? Go for no, it. Never going to fault. No. Uh, we've also taken your text today on the Thornton sex line at 502-414-1450. The one thing we haven't had a chance to do is get to talking about uh, Saturday's Final Four action on the men's side, particularly the North Carolina Duke game. And I went into – first of all, I don't, I don't yeah, know – No reason to talk about Kansas Villanova, right? No, it was it – was, It was what it yeah. I think we both kind of thought that that was the way I jokingly picked Villanova, but I, I – mean, Oh, yeah, I forgot you did. Yeah, but I also bet Kansas. I bet Kansas and Duke, so I split. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – I mean, Nova – It wasn't even – it wasn't a game. Even with Justin Moore, I think they would have yeah. not won with Kansas shooting that way. Jay Wright did all he could. Like, watching that game, watching the things that he did to get Nova back in that game was remarkable. Going for – I mean, they hadn't shown a – they, he did what Rick Pitino used to do. They would show a matchup zone. They would shift mid-possession into uh, man-to-man. Like, they were doing a great job at not letting Oshai Egbaji kill them from the outside after he was unconscious in the first half. But at the end of the day, not having more, not having anybody who would guard David McCormick inside, they were just they, – they were up against it. And I thought Nova was kind of – I don't want to say a fraud, but they – they played better than their talent level all season long. Like this was not the 2018, 2016 team that was loaded with offensive firepower and next level talent. Like I don't think there's an, an NBA first round pick on that roster, at least not a guy who was playing this year. And no surprise to me, at least that, that yeah. Kansas won relatively handily. But the second game was where most of the attention, understandably, was directed. I don't remember if you said this. Were you, who are you rooting for? Who did you? Who would you rather have seen win that game Saturday night, Duke or Carolina? Well, at the time of Duke, because I bet Duke, and I had Duke and Kansas on a parlay, so I had a nice little little chunk of change on those games. So I was technically in the moment I was rooting for Duke, uh, just for financial reasons. But if I hadn't bet on the game, I would have bet. I would have been rooting for North Carolina. I was rooting for Carolina. Just because I thought it was going to be hilarious if that's the way that Coach K went out. I mean, the fact it's his first and last ever loss. I mean, that's. Just- to your rival, I mean, we talked about it last week. How either way would have been fun because I'd forgotten that you know my, when I after he lost, my buddy was like, "Well, if he'd won, he'd been playing the team he is the team he got his only a title first title against right. ninety one Kansas." I'd forgotten about that. And Mark Randall and Don Jordan company, and we talked about it last week. How I know, but <laughs> oh, yeah, you forgot all last week. I forgot you were sick. Short term memory. <laughs> we I, it, it felt so perfect that you almost assumed it was going to happen for Kay. Like, it was the easiest narrative in the world. He finally got over the hump against Kansas. He gets redemption for losing to North Carolina in his last game at Cameron Indoor. Mm. 
goes out on top of the rivalry and then goes out on top, period, against the team that first got him onto the mountaintop, all that good stuff, and then boom, doesn't happen. The Hollywood movie was already in works. You've got all this. Did you watch any of the pregame stuff before the? No. I No. I mean, I guess they wanted mean, it to be. Well, I had it on. You're talking about just what between the. the like the Coach of... K features. No. I they had all this Coach no. K stuff, as you would have expected going into Saturday night. And there was one where he's sitting at midcourt at Cameron Indoor, and they have this giant video screen around him. <laughs> and it's his wife. And she's like talking to him. And he's, she's like, we never could have imagined this journey together. And he's like, we sure couldn't, sweetheart. He's sitting there talking. And they're, they're videoing. The, and I, I, the whole time I'm like, this is a conversation that could have easily taken place inside your own home. <laughs> wow. You're talking back to a video screen. There's no way that you're actually doing this if cameras aren't all around you. And it just made me more angry about the fact that he's he set this up. And I'll say this. You know, this Carolina team, they rub me the wrong way. I'm actively rooting against them tonight. That's how much I don't like them. I like Hubert Davis a lot. I think he seems like a, a good person. But I can't cheer for Armando Baycott or Caleb Love or R.J. Davis or the, any of these dudes. He, he semi-flopped in the Kansas Duke game. Like, oh, God. The, yeah, the hand came up near him. But I had to rewind it like twice to make sure he even there was even a chance he was getting touched. And then, and maybe this is bad, but like the second he got hurt and they're like, oh, this looks terrible. My friend are texting me, like, that's bad. He can't put any weight on it. I just responded to my friend. I'm like, he'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> He's going to do the Willis Reed thing. He's going to go back in the tunnel, and he's going to jog out. And by God, two minutes later, he was jogging out in front of that camera, <laughs> ready to go back in. You're nicer than me. The first time I saw it, I was like, he's faking. I was like, he didn't even get touched. And then after they did show him kind of hit it on the foot, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe he did. He's Carolina's Grayson Allen. Yeah, I mean, he, he, is. Like, he is. Like That's exactly who he is. He's very good, just like Grayson Allen was, but he's I, I can't root for him. But So that's going on. And, and the Coach K stuff, like all day long, just – it's one thing if if he'd announced it like last week before the game, but he does all this and then he's afterwards he's like it's not about me. It's all about the players right now. You've made it about you the entire season. If you didn't want it about to be about you, you wouldn't have made this announcement in the summer. So there was an entire buildup for a full year of Coach K's last year in Nike putting out the tweet, you can't spell championship without K, which quite literally is wrong. Like, none of this is right. Everything you're putting out there is dumb, and I want to make fun of it. It all made me more happy that North Carolina won. You are the complete opposite of Roy Williams. Exactly. Roy Williams stepped aside in the offseason. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody saw it coming. He was, was, I mean, yes, he was at the games, but he was, you know, standoffish. You know, he could have easily, you know, been been chiming in his two cents during the middle of the season throughout this year with North Carolina and there's so much struggles and he kept he kept you know always kept to himself kept kept in the low profile despite supporting uh, he, uh just went to the games and cheered yeah exactly and that is what Coach K thinks he is but he isn't now the only thing that made me sad about the game on Saturday because there was no you know people were like well, do you feel sad for Coach K at all like in their small party no yeah. no. I've watched this man get away with murder for 37 years of my life. I've watched him be treated with kid gloves when there, when everybody else in the sport, especially as a Louisville fan. I mean, everything comes to an end. I'm actually just glad I got to, to witness it. I mean, to, to be a part of it kind of in a way and see it. I mean, The only thing that I didn't like about Saturday night, and this is full player haters ball award winner. This was me. I hated how good the game was. I wanted yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, I was rooting for Carolina, but what I wanted even more than that was for whoever won to win by like 40, for it to like never be a good game, for both teams to, to 
either that or like a Butler UConn national championship game type deal where yeah. they both shoot twenty eight percent. Fun game, and it was incredible. It, it was, was a, a fantastic game. game. Yeah. Now. It's so much so that I actually watched the first game on mute with WrestleMania on my laptop with the volume on. North Carolina game, two minutes in. Volume on the WrestleMania, mute. TV volume on. I mean, it was, it was a great game. There, there's no way around Plus, it. WrestleMania was kind of weak. The shot making was tremendous at the end. Like, back and forth, back and forth. Everybody, like, you know, Brady Manick makes a huge three. Wendell Moore makes a huge three. Caleb Love hits the shot in the closing seconds. And... Like it was just Keel hit the three, then uh, Birdie, whatever they call him, <laughs> the dude from Oklahoma hits the three. Yeah. Manic, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was it was a fantastic game. Anyway, you slice it. Now, having said that, can't not point out the fact that three thousand fewer people attended this game oh, than the Louisville Kentucky game ten years prior. But you know, I didn't see you tweet this. I saw someone on like one of those Facebook Louisville pages that irritates me post your tweet of this. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and. You may say, well, it's been 10 years. Surely there have been changes to the Superdome. Maybe there's less seating. Uh uh uh. There have been changes to the Superdome. There's more seating now. Uh, more seating. 70,000 plus attended this game on Saturday night. 73,000 were at the Louisville Kentucky game. And I don't make the rules, Fact. but the rules say that the only way to judge the superior rivalry in college basketball is national semifinal attendance at the same building. And so. Therefore, that is true. Actually, ergo, Louisville, Kentucky, superior rivalry. I mean, you can't argue facts. You can't. I don't make these rules. I, don't, I mean, don't be mad at us, people. And then you know, we take Duke's coach. He didn't. He didn't. He, didn't, he doesn't. Who won he, all their games? He recognizes the rivalry. He knows how big of a deal it is. He wants to be a part of the superior one. So he. he you know, Rumor he is he, he was he wasn't going to leave until he saw that stat. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, that's so. If, if, if Duke fans, you want to blame anybody? Blame yourself for not showing up. But Carolina, I, I don't know how to. It's so weird to me that they're on the verge of becoming the second eight seed to win the national title, which is the worst, the lowest seed to ever win a national championship, mm. because there's nothing about them that says eight seed. Like they, they were a four point underdog against Duke, who's the pre final four favorite, according to the odds makers. They're a four point underdog tonight against a one seed in Kansas. Like they are playing. I mean, compared to the last eight UConn, they weren't probably a very big underdog either. But they were also playing a. Well, they were a seven UConn. Who was the? They, they played Kentucky. Was an eight. Oh, okay, okay. So the eight was Bill Nova then. Yeah, they, that's what I said. Eighty five. Okay, they're looking to become just yeah. the second AC Devil. Oh, they were a big time underdog. <laughs> and twenty eleven UConn, I still think like we're gonna view or twenty fourteen. I keep mixing them up. Twenty fourteen UConn, I think we'll always view as worse than this Carolina team if Carolina does go on to win the national title because. It's not like Carolina didn't have preseason expectations. They were a preseason top 25 team. They just underachieved for the first three months of the season. Oh, that, that UConn 7C team might be one of the worst champions. In- it's the worst champion of my lifetime. Uh, yeah. Easily. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Because even when you look at that 8C Villanova team, you can argue, listen, that was also a Big East that was so loaded that them being the 8 seed would almost maybe put them at a higher seed in other conferences. Plus, that was a team that had, I mean... Had good players. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, yeah, well, um, I almost said throw Bailey. That was on the 83 NC State team. Uh, was it uh, Pickney? Ed Pickney. It was a lottery pick. Yeah. I mean, was a consistent NBA player with the Celtics and so on. It was a, it was a really good ball player. And also when you watch, I think the, the I think ESPN did a 30 for 30 on them. Like that Nova team, I think they beat Georgetown during the regular season too. If they didn't, they, I think they split with Georgetown. If they didn't, Possibly. they almost beat them. I know that because. Which it, it probably was probably closer almost, but yeah. It was one of those where I watched the special, and 
I'm kind of I'm I'm like less impressed with Nova's run after watching it. Like it's a great story, but they they sort of like this Carolina team just underachieved during most of the year. And again, you got and remember, then fired at the right time. I mean, again, the they were in a, a conference which was as probably good in 1985 as maybe any conference. I mean, you're talking maybe 75 ACC, which was so good that they changed the rules of allowing only one team per conference because you had teams like Maryland, NC State, North Carolina, Duke, all those teams so loaded in that conference at the time. Yeah, where I mean, that was 85. That was a, you had three piggies teams in the Final Four. Uh-huh. I mean, that's uh, how loaded that, that that conference was in 1985. Texas, I was hoping for UNC to win it all on a last-second uh, full-court heave, banking it in, Raffery saying, and the kiss, followed by awkward silence. That, <laughs> that maybe would have made it better. Texas, UConn was a nine seed. No, they weren't. Look it up. Seven seed. Yeah. They beat Kentucky was an eight. I sometimes think UConn was a 10 because I get that 7-10. 7-10. Yeah. Well, they were, they were down to St. Joe's in that 7-10 game to start the tournament. Like They were down with less than a minute to go. And won in overtime. And if they if they had lost that game, like Kevin Ollie is one of the biggest jokers to ever coach in college basketball. He still is not viewed favorably, but they would have only won one NCAA tournament game. Period during his run. That season, by the way, they lost to Georgetown. They got swept by them in the regular season, but lost fifty two fifty and fifty seven fifty. Okay, so very so very, close. Very, That's two very close games. Of. Yes. Um. Yeah. That that UConn team. I mean. I mean, it was bad. I mean, we beat them by thirty three in regular season finale. And. I'm trying to think who else who could have been a worse. I mean, the the the, the Syracuse team that won it all with Carmelo was not great. No, but that was. But still. they were far better than either one of the the last two UConn teams to win it. 2011 was not a good team. The 20 they were a four seed. Um, again, thankfully they beat UK, which helped us out. And then 2014 they were way worse. They were. I mentioned no team had ever won the national title in the same season where they had been beaten by 30. Not only did they lose by us to us by 33. It was the last game of the regular season, and they were at full strength. So, like, that's their team. That same team that came into the Yum Center and got blasted 81-48 to 48, was the, virtually the same team that was cutting down the nets a month later. It just it made no sense. It was a bizarro tournament. I, I'll never understand how they beat that Florida team in the Final Four, but thank God they did because it meant Kentucky didn't win the national title as an eight seed. But, yeah, no seed higher than eight has ever, has yeah. ever cut down the nets. And I don't like, – if UNC wins – I don't think it's this this like huge Villanova NC State eighty three type Cinderella story like they no, just, but this is still North Carolina team that's better than that fourteen that seven seed UConn team. Oh, for sure, without question. I mean, that team was just yeah, Shabazz just getting hot, and it was just a bad yeah weird they had tournament. Two players, two players. Yeah, what was the other one? Was a Jeremy uh, Lamb? Lamb, yeah, Lamb Shake. Remember that? Yeah, the guy I've been hearing about still this day is gonna oh he's gonna be an NBA player. Well, they had Napier and Boatwright in 2014. Oh, that 14, okay, okay yeah, pretty, pretty they were, and that was it. The the Ryan Boatwright famous Facebook status. Jerry <laughs> got passed around. I don't know who. I guess he was unhappy as a freshman player, and he just posted on Facebook. This is before like Twitter was a huge thing. He's like, "Boat against the world, F it, doe." And like, right. just loved it. His mom fought everybody at the game at, at, at Yum Center that year. Um, Texas, the Duke student section was half full. <laughs> it kind of was. Was it really? A little bit. I, I know, and I know that you don't like that. Those student sections at the Final Four always look like they're not fully occupied because nobody sits in their actual seats. They all move up to to make it like give it like a student section feel. But it did look like they had fewer people in their section than the Carolina section. But I know when they went to the halftime show and they were it was all nothing but North Carolina behind that the halftime show because Kenny was getting them riled up. Yeah, Texas. Why did Coach K have to walk into every game with his wife? It felt weird. And then she left to like walk out with him. I saw that. Yeah, 
The other thing that felt weird was because people, a couple people sent it to me on Twitter. Like, you think Coach K is such a bad guy? Look at him going over to Armando Baycott and saying, like, you were my ACC player of the year. Like, well, he did that in front of all the cameras. There's a, a much, like, a, a, a less widely spread clip of Trevor Keels crying in the tunnel and going over to Coach K, like, looking for a big hug. And Kay, with, like, nobody around, just, like, kind of gives him, like, a quick hug and just, like, keeps going. Like, I was like, that's the K. That's the K that I know. Can, can we talk about the real topic of that game? Not not the robbery, not any Coach K, but the laptop with the uh, – uh, Oh, Matt Norlanders? Yeah. Gusters for lovers? <laughs> yeah. He's had it at every Which final four. You, they had to have had him take that down because it suddenly disappeared. Well, he tweeted about it. Did he? Okay. He said, so I – Because I noticed it right away and then, like – Halfway through the first half, it was gone. So Norlander, he has this on his computer every single Final Four. Okay. Like, you can go back since uh, since 2015. He's is it, been, it's not dirty, right? No, Guster's a band. Ah, okay. I, I thought it was just a play, obviously, on, like, the Virginia's for lovers type thing. No, they, it, well, it is. But yeah. they were big, like, when I was in college with kind of, like, Frat bro, bro dude. <laughs> when I first saw it, I thought he meant Gushers. I was like, I miss Gushers. I do too. Those were good. They were for lovers. I actually saw <laughs> Guster opened for um, Dispatch at a concert at Iroquois Amphitheater a few years ago that I went to. I don't know if you're making things up or not. They are, yeah. Okay. It was, they, they were, they're kind of like a sort of like a jammy band. Okay. But so Norlander loves Guster and he's All got right. this sticker and he's always had it, but he's was getting way more airtime than usual because he was directly right. behind the bench that Coach yes. K was sitting on. And, of course, TBS had to show us Coach K after every made or yep. missed shot because that's what we're tuning in for is Coach K reactions from the sideline. <laughs> it's all we want to see is Coach K. <laughs> Who cares about the game? It's Coach K. Uh, and so I tweeted out, oh, my God, the phone's ringing. It's working. So I had tweeted out, there's no way that Coach K – allows the Guster sticker to stay on Norlander's computer because way too many people are tweeting about it. It's taken attention away from him. And we all know this night is about Mike Krzyzewski. Not about the rivalry, not about Shirley Guster. It's about Coach K. And almost, I think 30 seconds after I sent that out, like Norlander tweets out something along the lines of, you know, the Guster thing has become a distraction. Like, <laughs> I, I know when to, you know, call, I'm taking it off. But then he said, I'm not taking it off. They found like a security guard to block it. So it won't be on TV. Well, I thought it was just like a monitor got put in its place or something. Maybe that's what it was. But he yeah. said they, they found something where he didn't have to take the sticker off, but he couldn't see it. But I was like, yeah, it happened before halftime. Co- Coach K got word out there. Can't happen. I didn't think it was K. I figured it was TBS saying, like, we cannot begin free advertising. And because one of the first things when I went to the, when I did the uh, the turn one of the first tournaments that they had in the Yum, which what year was the, the year that Louisville I mean Kentucky played twenty twelve one yeah which ironically without even knowing we saw I got to see Jim Calhoun's last game ever at UConn oh there you go not even knowing it at the time and uh, it's Iowa State and Royce White but I remember just like one of the first things that caught my attention Royce was, White's running for Congress by the way. <laughs> I swear, look it up. Where he's living, right? Because we all know he can't fly. He's back in Minnesota. He's, yeah, he's I mean, running for Congress as a conspiracy theorist. The guy, the guy tried to like have the higher ground as an 18th pick, like saying he wanted a bonus to fly. It's like, dude, you come on. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that really caught my attention was when I was remember going out to the tunnel to the you know I was sitting right behind the back. I, I sat right behind the bench, which Royce White. I can make the jokes that dude is a monster standing next to him. And like security bag grabbed me, like you can't take that ball out there. You got whatever you have, you got to pour it in this Powerade cup, and you can only have Powerade. Oh cups. yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where my mind when I first saw that. And I mean, I know it's we're ten years removed from this now, but I, some things don't change. 
when I saw that, I mean, I was like, dude, there's no way TBS is going to let that stay up there. Like they're, they, they're going to get that removed. It's unless they have a show called Gusters coming up on TNT. Nope. That is not staying on the screen for long. And I know that it's easy to say coach K pulled it, but I'd, I'd have to say TBS and TNT, whichever would it be. We're like, nah, mm-mm. Somebody said, I'm sorry to see the security guard walk up to Matt, like whisper in his ear, like, you got to put something over this, like an impractical Joker promo or something. <laughs> Is there a part of you that still can't believe that this happened? Because that he ended the North Carolina the way it ended. It's the most perfectly imperfect ending that you could have conjured up for Coach K, unless this game actually happened in the national title game. Honestly, I feel like it, short of North Carolina and the national title. Yeah, I mean this. It, it, it's this, unbelievably this, bad. And ten to fit. I don't want to say. I think any movie based on a real event should be at least ten plus years removed from such events happening. I agree with that. Um, so let's say in fifteen years, uh, we make a movie, a sports movie about. Coach K, I would. It's a great ending. Because one, I kind of like where the ending, where the Friday Night Light type of ending, where they don't win it. That always kind of, I like that little twist sometimes. And that's what this would be. Him ending the, the, the dream coming to an end. A great storybook career that has been a storybook career. Hate him or love him if you want. It's been a storybook career. He is a legend in this game. But it also happened at multiple levels. And like, it, it ends just with your rival. I mean, that's just kind of awesome like this was it was all setting up to be you know the whole notion that duke gets every break they get every call and even when they're not getting calls the ball just seems to bounce their way like that's been i love that notion and then on twitter i see how is this not an and one yeah but and you're how can you argue that was an and one it wasn't even close it wasn't even close close. but so that's been the case for the last 40 years basically is duke gets every break k gets every whistle k gets everything he wants and it all felt like it was said because you have this awful ending that just felt so out of place. They host North Carolina for the last game at Cameron Indoor with Coach K there. It's an all-day affair. They're all these specials. They have the post-game ceremony already set up where all of his former players are there, all of his family's there, all these famous alumni are there. You got, I mean, just you know, random celebrities are sitting courtside at Cameron Indoor, and they get whomped. They get blasted by 13. And he still has to do this very upset post-game ceremony where you can tell he'd, he'd rather be anywhere in the world than in, in Durham at that point in time. And it felt like this is – because at the time you're thinking there's no chance that Duke and Carol like Carolina wasn't safely in the NCAA tournament until they won that game. So there's no chance they're going to meet up. Not, they, they won't go in the same region, and they're not going to meet in the Final Four. This is it, – it's done. That's the last chapter of Mike Krzyzewski and the Duke-North Carolina rivalry. And then he goes to the ACC tournament, which he has dominated over the years. As bad as they've been in the regular season when it comes to winning championships, he has absolutely owned the ACC tournament. They don't get the chance to play Carolina because Carolina gets upset in the semifinals by Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech, you know, again, has to win that game to get in the NCAA tournament. They're not a widely regarded opponent. And not only do they beat Duke and keep Krzyzewski from winning one last conference championship, they beat him by 15. They beat him going away. And so, it, like, that feels imperfect. But then the bracket comes out. Duke is surprisingly a two seed. It's a friendly draw. The one seed gets knocked out before the regional final. And it feels like, oh, my goodness. here It's all laid out there. It's all the, the, the way is paved for Coach K to go out on top. And if he does that, the Carolina thing, the ACC tournament thing, they're mere footnotes in this magical final chapter. And then... 
you get revenge against Carolina. That opportunity presents itself because Carolina makes a miracle run to the Final Four. You got to play Izzo on the way there, by the way. You it's beat Izzo. Throw that in there. The team, like every time it looked like they might get knocked out when they're down with five minutes to go, they flip the switch. They go into God mode. They can't miss. They're they're stepping up. Paulo Bencaro, potential number one pick, is realizing his potential. A.J. Griffin is coming out of nowhere. Wendell Moore is fantastic. Jeremy Roach is having the Quinn Cook evolution. It's all happening. It was all perfect. It was all right there. And then they get beat by Carolina, somehow making that awful chapter from a month earlier even worse. So in his final season, a season which he himself made himself the focal point of by announcing it a year in advance— he doesn't live up to his preseason top five ranking. They're not even a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They don't win an ACC tournament championship. They get beaten badly on their own home floor in his final game at the time against North Carolina and his final game at Cameron Indoor period. And then, oh, by the way, in the first NCAA tournament meeting in the history of this rivalry, it happens in the final four. You're a favorite. You get beat. It's I, I still am just blown away that this has happened. I've just I, I've lived so long assuming that Coach K is going to have everything that he wants. This is, you know, what's going to happen though? He's going to come back when John Shire starts nine and six next year. <laughs> yeah, and the calendar it's going to be just like a little bit of a toe dip at first. You know, maybe Shire, who knows? Maybe he gets the new variant of COVID and he's got to sit out a game. And they're like, we're bringing Coach K back for one game, one night only, Duke versus Clemson. And then Duke just destroys Clemson. Our luck it'll be Duke versus Louisville. Well, then we'd beat him. And then, <laughs> then he beats us and gets to 500 because of it. Well, don't, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't ruin my fantasy here. <laughs> Coach K's coming back. He can't, he can't go out like this. He won't, he won't allow it. He can't sit idly by. Maybe it's next season. Maybe, maybe Shire ends up going like 11-20 and 20 next year. You know, he's lost Nolan Smith, who won all these games anyway. We, we, we know this. It's established. Maybe he comes back for the 2023-24 season. If not, like this is how like K goes out. Is he known as one of the most legendary coaches of all time? Of course, but this is a part of his history. His history forever. It's like, I still can't wrap my mind around it, and it's been 48 hours now. John Shire gonna be the. Uh, I had to look up because I couldn't remember. He's gonna be the next Pete Goddard, the guy that, that member that stepped in for Coach K when he had to. Back problems and lost to Earl Boykins in the tournament. Yeah, and the Cherokee Parks teams. Yeah, I wonder if K can pawn this loss on Shire. He's like, he's like, you know what? I had a concussion in practice the day before. I wasn't really there. That doesn't go on my record. It goes on John Shire's record. <laughs> Does John Shire kind of win in all this? Because like he comes out now, he's got something to avenge. I mean, no woman's more than Hubert Davis personally. Well, but, yeah, Hubert's god now. I mean, Hubert Hubert's kind of won the title without winning the title this year. Oh yeah, if they lose tonight, they've still already won. Yeah, I mean, he's he's yeah he's, They take more away from a national runner-up performance than any national runner-up previously in the history of college basketball. I mean, short of having like a losing record like three years in a row, the next three years, I can't. Yeah, poor West Miller's like. Damn it! I, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> he's he's got to be somewhere right now, being like you. Can he be Bill Guthridge and just get tired of this after three yes. years? I mean, the NBA comes calling. He's like, I had it all lined up. There is also a part of me that I've liked the fact that they can't play up. You know, the attendance thing is one thing. You know, we had more people at our game ten years ago than they had at theirs, so they can't claim that. 
And also, because yeah. the game was played on TBS and not CBS, it doesn't matter how big of a game it is, the ratings are always going to be lower oh, for the close. non-cable. Like, they're not in the same vicinity. Yeah. And this is one of those odd years where they're playing on TBS. So they have to do this whole thing where it's like, it's the highest rated Final Four game since 2017. And you're like, what? <laughs> and then even on TBS, it was the highest rated Final Four game on TBS since 2015. The Wisconsin-Kentucky game had more ratings than Duke-Carolina. I believe that. So how long has all... been doing it now? Has it been, been that long? I think it was 2014 was the first year where they, they started. I remember, I remember Wisconsin game being on there because then they used to put it. They, I guess was Wisconsin Kentucky year the only year they did this, or they do it other years where they put the the, the main broadcast in the game on like TBS and on like TNT was and the, true. They had the the, 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 the commentary. Yeah, yeah. They, they did. I think they've stopped doing it for the last few years. Okay, and which I'm kind of glad because I wasn't watching that. Yeah, I wasn't crap either. anyway. And if you're annoyed by it and you're wondering why this happened, like this was this move was made to keep the tournament from expanding because that was this was Turner's demand. All this is, is about TV money, no and course. if you're a Turner, it makes sense. You, you want an expanded tournament. You want 128 teams or you want 96 teams, but you want more games. More games, more viewers, more ratings, more money. And more ads, yep. The agreement that they came to, because the NCAA heard from the fans, and they actually listened to them for once, who said, why mess with a good thing? 68's already four teams too many. And they said, we'll, we'll keep it as is, so long as every third year we get to put the games on one of our – Cable channel. Is that how it is? Okay. Because they, you know, hey, because TBS, even when you're you're getting 16 million viewers and it's significantly lower than it would be on CBS, it still becomes the highest rated program for TBS for that entire year, and it's not close. Oh, man. You know what TBS's number one pro- uh, program this last year and this year and last year was? American Dad. No, probably AEW. Probably, yeah. They're usually number one. On, I mean, they they average over a million viewers and are number one in the demo. That's usually their highest rated program. And that's but, just, and you know, they get like 1.2 million. So it's a smart business move yeah. by Turner, and it's it's why they do it. It's it's it was there. So if you get mad about the games being on those channels every every third year, hey, it could be worse. We could have a 128 team tournament, which I think would be not great. Yeah, and you're right. Comparing, I mean, you're talking for every one person that has you know cable, 50 have CBS available to them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not even, yeah, it's not even in the same ballpark. Uh, we'll go to break. When we come back, we'll take a, a few texts. We'll make our predictions for tonight's game, and I'll say, give a couple reasons, little odd facts that have me excited about this game. I think I it's going to be fun. I need your help because I'm going across the river after here, and I need to know. Okay. All right. We'll talk about I'm it. on the fence. We'll get there. Uh, okay. That's coming up next here on the Mike Rutherford Show, Monday edition on 1450 The Big X. Song from 1957. I thought you were going to do like the other Final Four meetings between Kansas and Carolina. I thought you were going to get the other years, and that has not been how the the music has, has no, gone. No, I was I was kind of in a, I'm kind of in a reggae mood today. I'm fine. With I that. mean, I went with some Marley, obviously Fuji's re- remake of No Woman No Cry, which is a great remake. Did a little Sublime, a Crest Me Down. 
And right. for some reason, though, I ended. <laughs> I know you never listened to the first song, but I always forget. That was uh, the Boom Cat Boom Cat Rats, which is uh, was the one hit wonder of theirs called "I I Don't Like Mondays." Which, I do remember now. You say that that it was a I don't like Mondays. Yeah, part it was, of the it's it's a catchy song. It's a it's actually a song of Boom Cat Rats who will get a one hit wonder group uh, led by um, oh Bob uh, I forget his name the guy who started Live Aid. Uh, he was also in. Have you ever seen Pink Floyd: The Wall, the movie? No, he's in that. Uh, but he's the guy who created Live Aid uh, in the eighties, and uh, he was in a, a very, very unsuccessful band. And it was that one. That was a one-hit wonder. And it's a song about a true story about a girl who just kind of went on a shooting spree, like Charles Whitmore style, on a schoolyard of all things, back in the late seventies. And when they were arresting her and bringing her down, a reporter yelled, "Why did you do this?" And she literally looked at the reporter and said, I don't like Mondays. Yeah. So obviously a very insane young lady. Yeah. And like some other artists, he read that article and wrote a song about it. There you go. So that's what the song's based on. You mentioned uh, with that first song today, Carolina beat Kansas in the 1957 national mm-hmm. title March game. March 23rd, 1957. Only national title game meeting between the two teams. They have met four times total in the final four, splitting those two. Uh, Carolina won that first game. Kansas beat UNC in the 91 semis mm-hmm. to go on to lose to Duke in the title game. Carolina returned the favor, winning two years later in the 93 Final Four on their way to the national title. Yep. And then in 08, the only Final Four still with all four number one seeds. Oh, uh, the 08 one is what I forgot about. Kansas blasted North Carolina. Because I thought after they beat us, Carolina was, was going to win the whole thing. And Kansas destroyed them. It was like 33-2 to, to two in the first half before yeah. Carolina made it somewhat respectable. But there are other weird parallels between these two programs. Remember Roy Williams? He couldn't win the big one either. Yeah, it was a, a big thing for a long time. <laughs> but the, the I mentioned this fact earlier. It's still, I think, striking to me. This is the first national title game in the history of college basketball where both coaches replaced the same man at their current jobs. Hubert Davis replaced Roy Williams this year after his Carolina career, and then Bill Self was hired at Kansas to replace Roy Williams Mm -hmm. after he left for North Carolina. Even weirder, Dean Smith, born, played, was an assistant at Kansas. Yeah, Bog Allen, yeah. Then made North Carolina a powerhouse, of course. You've got also a – who's the other assistant coach? Now I forgot the name. Um, Oh, God. Now I'm blowing it. Are you talking about Hubert Davis? Not Hubert Davis. Oh, Larry Brown. Larry Brown played at North Carolina and coached in Kansas. Played at North Carolina. Yeah. Went to Kansas. Had a whole lot of success. Won a national title. Yep. Only coach to have national championship and a world championship at the NBA level. That is correct. If you want one more, North Carolina current assistant Brad Frederick, the son of late Kansas athletic director Bob Frederick. I did not know that one. Doesn't make sense that these two programs would have so much intertwining, but here we are. I think it's a fun Final Four. I think it'll be a cool game because they both play up tempo. They've both been shooting the ball well, and they both have erratic guards that I think could be really good or really bad in this game. Remy Martin's been fantastic in the tournament, although he wasn't great, didn't make much of an impact against Nova. And then Caleb Love. All three of his three highest scoring games this season have come in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's all. I, I had somebody ask me the other day. I was like, what, "Who's going to win?" I was like, "It just all depends on Caleb Love to me." You think so? Like it's yeah, he play, he he plays well. I mean, and for the most part, North Carolina. I mean, we talked about this. Those kind of was, just a, was kind of a different team away from home this year. It felt like weirdly they were they were the opposite of what you normally would see. Where you know you say, "Oh, they play well. They play good at home. They struggle on the road." North Carolina seemingly played better on the road this year for the most part than they did at home. 
and it's shown now in the tournament. And when Caleb Love plays well, I mean, I think that, yeah, they're just a very hard team to beat. Because, I mean, hate them what we, you know, hate them as we are. You know, Baycott is a serviceable big man. Very good. Uh, I mean, they have other, like, good, nice role role players around him. But they just, he, when he has that, you know, to, to make comparison, like the Shabazz Napier 14-run type, you know, game going, they're a tough team to beat. They're 12-0 this year when he scores 20 or more points. I believe that. Also, though, they're... 20 or more is a lot. That's kind of my point scoring a college basketball game, too, though. I mean... They're also 9-0 when he has five or more turnovers. He's the weirdest player in college <laughs> know, basketball. Yeah. You brought that set up But he's been... The only game where that's happened in the NCAA, in the NCAA tournament so far is the that Baylor game, which got wild and, and went to overtime. last year? Or no? No, this second-round game. Where they oh, this year. Okay. Blew the 25-point yes. lead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then won in overtime, and he had six turnovers in that game, but he also scored 30 points. He's like, He and R.J. Davis have been so good, and the weird thing about what Carolina's done in the tournament so far, not only are they shooting well from three, they're shooting it more from three than they have all season long. They shot about 37% of their field goal attempts from three during the regular season. It's been much higher in every NCAA tournament game that they've played besides the St. Peter's game where, you know, it's St. Peter's, you can – beat them down inside. Yeah. They won by 20. They didn't have to take a bunch of threes. I There's a part of me that feels like Love just can't keep this up because as awesome as that shot was against Duke to, to basically seal the deal. Coming off the screen, yeah. Like that's – you have to have some big stones to take that shot. He's always has been taking that shot throughout the last two years. He just hasn't been making it a whole lot. I think he still believes he's a lot better than he is, which – Leads me to believe we're in for a feast or famine night. Like, he's either going off for 35 or he's going, like, 2 of 17 from the field. Has a John Starks moment. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I think Remy Martin kind of has the same mentality. The difference is Bill Self doesn't have to play him. Carolina's only been playing five guys this entire tournament. If they get into foul trouble tonight or if one of them just has an off game, like, they're kind of screwed. I mean, they could get lucky. He could have a Kobe moment where he goes 1 of 19 and gets saved by Paul Gasol and somehow gets named MVP. Well, he probably would. When he had no deserve, no, no, no deserving winning that MVP. I think the other thing that I'm picking Kansas to win. The other thing that I think gives Kansas a big advantage, David McCormick That's is huge in that Villanova game. Boy. He, 25 and nine. Yeah. And he'll have a little bit more resistance in this game because Armando Baycott is bigger and better than anybody mm. Nova has in its front court. Oh yeah. But he still is, he's bigger and more physical than Baycott is. And if he's able to avoid foul trouble, I think you can get the type of performance down low that Duke thought they were going to have with Mark Williams but didn't get because Williams got those two quick early fouls and only played four minutes in the first half and only played 17 minutes total in that game. McCormick should be able to have his way on offense, I think, and I think he'll also keep Baycott from being as effective on, on when, when Carolina has the ball as he's been so far this tournament. I mean, Baycott has been he's double-double every single game in the NCAA tournament so far. He's had a double double in eleven of North Carolina's last twelve games. Yeah, twenty. Re- didn't he have back to back games? He just had back to back twenty rebound he had 21 games. Twenty one the other night. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's killing it. Yeah. But Mark Williams barely played. Wasn't out there enough, and, and they didn't have a whole lot of depth behind him. I think Mitch Lightfoot is better. <laughs> you mean the, the, the John Theo John four fouls in three minutes. <laughs> Look, Theo John is fine player i like how later there was like two minutes left in the game like so foul trouble and so john's name with four and i'm like he had that with three minutes into the game yeah it, it didn't take long 
But I think that like, like like Mitch Lightfoot is better as a backup. He's not great, but he's better than what Duke was able to throw at, at Baycott, and he's better than what a lot of the teams have been able to throw at Baycott. And also, like the Kansas forwards are bigger and more physical than most of the teams, not Duke, but than most of the teams that Carolina has gone through so far in this tournament. I I think Kansas wins the game just because they've been more slow and steady. And I also think that you can't overlook the fact that Carolina has been on a, the ultimate emotional high for the last 48 hours. I think that that absolutely plays a part in what happens tonight. Now, maybe it's, it's carried over energy and they just, they use the momentum that they've been playing with for the last three weeks and the, the high of beating Duke in any coach case career to, to roll on over Kansas. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it, it probably leaves them a little bit drained, but Hey, could be wrong. I think Kansas wins. I'm rooting for Kansas. I'm going against the ACC ties um, because, one, I, I really don't like this Carolina team, and, two, the awkwardness between Mark Emmert and Bill Self tonight has the potential to be off the charts. <laughs> and I want to see if Jim Nance has the cojones. I know the answer, but I want to see if he has the cojones to at least make some sort of vague reference to it. Um, I want that to happen. I want to see how it plays out. Who are you going for tonight? I'll ask that before I make, get you to make a prediction. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the uh, the awkwardness because I remember thinking that was going to be the same thing when Roy Williams won it a couple years ago with him. And it was a little I, bit. And he thought those crowds were going to get hit with all these sanctions and they not get nothing and they still got to keep the title that they uh, they, 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 they won over Gonzaga. Uh-huh. Um, I'll be rooting, weirdly, probably for just the third time in my lifetime. The other two were the last two national title games they were in, which was 12 and 08. Uh, against Cal, that I'll be rooting for yeah, Kansas. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's the only third time I've ever rooted for Kansas, and it'll be uh, because the situation. Happy me too. <laughs> that's kind of weird, right? Uh, I like Kansas to win the game, I'm, so I'll be rooting for Kansas. I like Kansas too. I think they'll win the game. I think they're a better team. That said, I'm really scared on just saying take them with the four points because North Carolina. Is, well, I think Kansas still should win the game. Again, still a better team. That doesn't always mean anything. And North Carolina, I mean, we, uh, your boy from the Oklahoma, I can't forget his name. Brady Manning. Brady Manning, yeah. He want to call him Birdie because that's a stupid thing. Like, he looks like Larry Bird. Uh, between him being able to, you know, being an upperclassman, hit some clutch shots, Baycott, you know, love the guard. North Carolina's got that team that could easily pull off the upset and win this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but. I think Kansas should win. I'm probably gonna help. Help me, Mike. Who, who, do I do I lay the four four points with Kansas or did I? I know that that's the thing. I'm, I would stay it, away from it because North Carolina. If this is gonna be, I feel they're gonna win if it's close. But if they lose, I feel they're gonna lose by more than four. I know that. I think it's stupid, gonna be close regardless. Like I, okay. I, it'd be tough for me. This is why I am glad I don't gamble like My this. Basketball's so hard to bet too because those. those when you're talking about four-point spreads, I mean, even during Duke, North Carolina, when it was close, I'm thinking I'm not too worried because if Duke takes the lead, North Carolina misses a shot, hits some free throws, I'm still covering, you know. That's where basketball's so much harder to bet than football. I think, what's the over-under? I don't, I'm, I never take over-unders because I suck at them. I suck at over-unders. I, I want to see that because I would be uncomfortable betting this game because I feel like it's one of those deals where, Kansas is going to have a solid like four or five point lead in the final minute, and it's going to come down to three free throws or Carolina like hitting a meaningless three at the buzzer that makes a six point lead a three point lead. But I gotta bet it because I'm an addict, and I and I, I want to bet. I, I mean, I would take if you put a gun to my head, I would take Kansas to cover the four. I'm but, leaning, but I too. wouldn't feel good about it. 
I think I'd feel more confident. I think tonight's going to be – I wish I could find the over-under because I think it's going to be a higher-scoring game. I'll tell you in two seconds. Um, I know they both play up-tempo. They've both been shooting the ball at an abnormally for them high level. I mean, Kansas does not shoot the three the way that they shot it in the first half against Villanova. Um, it's, one, it's 151 and a half. Oh, I'm going over. I feel good about the over there. Both are coming in on the money line at minus 110, which doesn't surprise me. Even North Carolina, Actually, North Carolina getting four points outside might get a little bit more on the money line, but they're not. Um, no, actually, I take that back. They are no, they are a money line plus one sixty. I take that. I sorry, I apologize. Yeah, I'm going over there. I'll, I'll say Kansas wins by. Hey, how about this? Right at the number. I'm saying Kansas wins. I'll take four because I get the money back. So I'll say seventy eight, seventy four, and you think the over on one fifty one and a half? Yeah, I mean that's a lot of that's in the high seventies. Up tempo, both shooting it at a high rate. I feel I feel good about it. Did they did they cap those in the last game? I can't pay attention. I don't remember. I would assume Duke Carolina went over. Eighty-one uh, seventy-seven well, should do it. Yeah, eighty-one fifty sixty-five would have put it over too. Yeah, so. uh, give me your prediction. We gotta get out of here. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, Kansas by. I'm gonna say by five. I'll say they cover because I'm gonna bet them. I think Kansas is the better team. They win the national championship. Uh, Bill Self. I just hope everybody has fun and doesn't get hurt, and the kids just have a fun time out there. And then Mark Emmert cries because he has to hand a trophy to somebody who's about to get it until the end. I was gonna tell you, you suck, but yeah, that's yeah. Fun. I, well, I hope that I hope they give the trophy to Kansas, and then I hope they take it away next year. That's what I'm going with. That'd be awesome. Enjoy the basketball tonight. We don't get more college basketball for a whole God. I mean, seven months. It's going to be a long, long wait. It's going to be a hey, long time off. It's about to be baseball season, though. But April's bats start tomorrow here on these on these airways. Following us, we got the bats. The new home of the bats start their home opener tomorrow. We got uh, the battle of the bluegrass tomorrow, and I believe MLB is on the seventh. Is that April seventh? Is the opening day Thursday? I know the the Reds play the the, the Braves Last, opening night. I Reds are at five nothing in the exhibition game. I just saw, or uh, spring training game. I just saw. It's all happening. It's all happening. Blue Jays got me by the Yankees last night. Enjoy the basketball tonight. We're back here tomorrow at three o'clock as always. Enjoy your evening. Oh, my God,